Yo. Head up, think fast. You're about to feel the blast. It's the dopest podcast on the net. Oh, yeah. All is geeks. Fresh your bet. We round the world. We round the net. So get ready and get set. Cause we make it look easy. No sweat. Jeff and Jordan, the host. Yeah, they be the best. From the north to the south, to the east, to the west. They cover movies, comics, TV shows, books. These guys gonna get you hooked. Don't stop now, just take a look. And don't forget to sign our Facebook. Cause what they doing is board games, video games. Yeah, they on it. They fly like a comet. Interviews, you up. This podcast is pure. Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure. Geek out any topic. No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it. So if you wanna go and get it on, then head to allisgeeks.com. Welcome to episode 40 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. Yes, episode 40. Hey, you know what else this is? This is the episode where Don is back. Woo! (laughs) Hello, everyone. Hey, Anime Don is in the building. Speaking of in the building, we are coming to you from the new geek compound. A little echoey. Gotta fix that. (laughs) There's nothing on the walls or anything yet. We're just barely in the place, so. Place, 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 place. But much more spacious. I like it quite a bit. And refreshingly chilly. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little cold down (laughs) My balls are in my stomach. Can't ever please you. No. Get back to your corner. (laughs) I'm feeling a little girl phobic here with Don right on my shoulder. (laughs) Hey, hey. Hey, what's in your tablet? <laughs> Let me tell you about my sex offender. <laughs> and he asked if I had good news. <laughs> sex offender's in jail. Well, once again, now that we've taken this to a wonderful place, hey, we've got a sponsor for this episode. And aren't they happy? I am so sorry. <laughs> this is why we had to break out the news. So Broken Prism Games is our sponsor for this episode. BrokenPrismGames.com. Of course, we talked about the last time they sponsored that they had a game called Host, which was successful on Kickstarter a while ago. I believe he's got a basic and a deluxe version. We'll put those links in the show notes as well. And of course, one other thing I wanted to point out is recently he has posted a blog post about Kickstarter advice. He was getting some emails and he was answering them individually. So he decided, you know what? I'm just going to make a blog post and uh, share what I'm giving with everybody. Uh, in one spot. So I will put that link in the show notes as well. And not just because he mentioned us a couple of times. Good or bad? <laughs> no. <laughs> Good. <laughs> he talks about listening to our game of crowdfunding stuff and how he's going to have us review his game, his next game for Kickstarter and all that good stuff. So it was pretty cool. Uh, above and beyond that, though, he talked about, you know, like Indie Conquest, which we've talked about on the show and some other stuff as well. So there's some pretty decent stuff out there, especially for, you know, first time indie designers and stuff that are trying to use Kickstarter. It's pretty good advice. Once again, thanks to Matthew over at Broken Prism Games because, you know, he wants to sponsor us because he says that we are the first and best place for news about new and independent games and, of course, our game of crowdfunding. So between us and the Game Crafter, uh, he gives a lot of credit to those communities for supporting game design and the independent game designers. There you go. Check out brokenprismgames.com. Anthony uh, dropped us an email 
just said it hadn't been, it's been a while since he's uh, said anything to us. He just wanted to say hello. And the big thing, <laughs> it will please the both of you. I have stopped watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Does. That is why I feel validated. <laughs> it was because I forgot when it was on. And if I can't remember when it's on, it's not a good show. That's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> The problem is that it will most likely get a season two and better shows will not. Well, we agree. The television business is a rough one. Which, And then he talked about how he's starting to listen to Almost Podcast, which we appreciate, Anthony. So thank you for checking out our other podcast. If the show does not get a season two, then Fox can go and die a fiery death. We're on board. Might not condone it. We're not asking our listeners to do anything like that. Just putting that out there. Go, Mikey. Talk to me later. Go. Talk to me later. Anybody that's kind of been in the know or is followed or is uh, friends with me personally on Facebook has asked for a friend request. I usually accept them now. I used to get kind of weird about that because it's two years now, but I just kind of feel weird that people want to know anything about me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Anthony uh, and I are, are friends on Facebook as, as well, so he knows that that. Uh, uh, the big reason this last few times that we had to cancel and, and don't have our game review is because Megan's father did pass and we had a funeral to attend. So he sent sympathies for that as well. And, and that was nice of him. But then he says, well, boys and girls, I have to head to work soon. Talk to you all later and keep the podcast coming. They are sometimes the best part of my day. Sometimes we should always be the best part of your day. No, <laughs> no, don't, don't be mean. <laughs> So, no, that was very nice. And it just goes back to that whole, you know, we've talked about, you know, having a, that connection with some of our listeners and stuff and, and getting the feedback and interacting with them. So that was kind of cool. Uh, I also got a message today to let us know that they were uh, happy and excited that we did a, a, a Epic Resort review and that it went live today and they backed it. So that was a, kind of a cool little message to get today as well. I shared that with Ben. But no. So just, you know, little things like that. This is All Us Geeks two-year anniversary month. Yes. Yes. March 16th, we posted the very first All Us Geeks of 2012. And then it got better at episode two. (laughs) 1.5, right? Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) You you came in at 1.5 and never left. So, yeah, we are on our uh, two-year anniversary here this month. So Damn it, I didn't get you anything special. I know. I didn't didn't get you anything either. I got us a new geek compound. <laughs> no, no, this was a birthday present. <laughs> so we got uh, we got that, and just a reminder off of that too that we are not going to be doing a pledge drive this September because we are going to hold off until next March to kind of coincide it with our anniversary month. So pledge drive edging. Join us for that then. But of course, you know things are out there. People have been asking me about the five dollar shoutouts and all that stuff. They still exist. So uh, actually, I think we've got one coming up here soon. Got another contest. The Stones of Fate one is over and has everything's been delivered, including that grand prize with the Gen Con badge and the deluxe uh, prototype with the nice wooden box and all that stuff. That was a very great and successful contest that we did with Cosmic Wombat Games. But starting March 12th, going through April 12th, we talked about these guys in the geek news, but they're here as well, the Flux Capacity is sponsoring the next contest. They have a game that's on Kickstarter right now called Gone Viking. It's a trick-taking game. And they are giving away, so March 12th through April 12th, we're going to be giving away a copy of their Give It to the King game, which was their last successful Kickstarter project. 
So we're going to be uh, running that like we have been the other ones. So you'll have all the wonderful entries from the simple to liking Facebook and following on Twitter and all that good stuff and tweeting about it. And uh, you'll have multiple chances to win. That'll go till April 12th. Giving away Give It to the King from the Flux Capacity. But in the meantime, definitely go check out their uh, Gone Viking Kickstarter. It's out there right now. We talked about this earlier today. Our shout-out for board game links. <laughs> we got a shout-out for being number 45. Doesn't matter. We used to be number 7 for a while, but <laughs> number 45. And every time we mention it, we go down. Come on, people. We're shooting for 50 after yeah, this Yeah, we're week. trying to get to number 50. So we got uh, 78 hearts last time I looked, which was more hearts. So we did get some more hearts. More people liked us over there at BoardGameLinks.com, but we went down the list. Everybody likes everybody else just a little bit more. <laughs> no, there's a lot of people they like a lot yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> there's a cluster in the 60 through 80, and then it's just a big jump yeah, to triple digits. It's, it's one of those things where it's like there, there's, a hur- there's a certain hurdle. It's a good chance we'll never get over. <laughs> but if we could see the hurdle... <laughs> If we know it's coming up to hit us in the balls as we jump over it, we can that's, at least be that's prepared. A good day. I can at least tuck and roll or something so I don't get taken out in the ball. Going under. Yeah, I can turn this into a limbo event or something. <laughs> Speaking of the love, you and I talked about this one as well. We've got a YouTube hater out there, I think. Yes. I, you know, you, you know, you tried to be reasonable about it and say, well, you know, it could be multiple people, but I, I did have to take still, the reasonable stance one, once a month. Once in a while. I still, I don't know. Cause here's the deal. <laughs> First and foremost, Google sucks when it comes to YouTube and how they handled YouTube with the Google plus implementation. Would you agree? Yes. The, the amount of crap we go through just to be able to get to our YouTube channel now because of how they integrated. So we don't get any type of notification when somebody comments on our YouTube channel because it's all mucked up. In fact, there is an, air quotes, official All Us Geeks Google Plus account out there because we had already created our channel and then they tried to intermingle everything. The official, as far as Google is concerned, uh, All Us Geeks site, has no videos associated with it. In fact, we have no information on it because we had already created a fan page and we couldn't incorporate the two together. And I think when we try to sign on to our YouTube channel, we get like, what, like three, two or three. If you click on the wrong All Us Geeks, it looks like all of our videos have disappeared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that they just randomly change which one that is. Because I've had to sign on multiple times and try the same one multiple times just to find out if we did have videos anywhere. And I swear, because every time they tell you add an account, I swear that's that's all cookie-based. It has to be, because it disappears all the time. Do you have to re-add? Yeah, and it's, time. And it's always, it's always like far enough along where you completely forget how to sign into the original account because you added it and just need to click on it. Because this is the only time I sign into anything. Yeah. yeah. So we don't get more no- good news. Yeah. We don't get notification like when somebody comments on any of our stuff or way. So we constantly kind of go out there and patrol through and constantly might be yeah, understating yeah, it you know, once true. a week. <laughs> if, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the last time I had been out there, there were not a bunch of dislikes or thumbs down or whatever the hell they call it. And then the last time I went then is like a week later, maybe not even that. Cause I think we had just posted, I had posted a couple back to back videos. Every one of our videos has at least one dislike on it suddenly. <laughs> so some, you know what? I just got to say thank you for caring that much. 
That's all I got to say. We impacted you enough to actually actively dislike (laughs) 20 odd videos. That is, We appreciate the interaction. I do. I think it's awesome. I said two ways. I didn't say I wanted it to be positive two ways. (laughs) I'll take it. I say congratulations. Now you know you're really on YouTube if you got haters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody's gotten extreme. Well, I better not say it. Don't don't encourage them. Don't. Because they will. They will. I know. I I know. That's why I stopped half midway through a sentence there. Because I can name five, five people that I know will actively do it if I say it. Even if I don't mean for it to happen. (laughs) Hey, guys. Real quick, just to give you a little love to Comics Beyond the Panel, you did post that Miss Marvel number one review. It's been a little while since we've been able to talk about general stuff or news and all that good stuff. But that Miss Marvel number one review blog post over on our Comics Beyond the Panel part of our website is up. So you can go check that out. Check out Jordan's thoughts on uh, that new title. Hated it. No, kidding. Geek Cast Network. Almost Podcast is going. We've got uh, episode zero through four is out there right now. So uh, we did start that one. That's our fan companion podcast for the Almost Human show. Maybe but, next month we'll find out if there'll be yeah, an episode yeah. 14. Yeah, we'll see if we get a second <laughs> season of that. But for now, we'll keep posting and we'll keep talking about the uh, the episodes of the show for now for this first season. I don't know. Mike's Mike's of the opinion that he's 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 on the optimistic side. Well, they haven't said it's canceled yet, so that's got to be kind of good news, right? We'll say, no. Eh. Longer it, it, they wait. <laughs> it's Fox. They repositioned when they're going to say the cancel. It's, yeah. It'll be expecting it. It'll be after episode one of season two. (laughs) Yeah, we canceled this. So for this episode, we won't be doing a game review. You know, the last two we did were pretty much strictly game reviews because of all the wonderful things happening last month. None of that's really changed. Things are just finally starting to settle down here. I think Jordan and I were talking about doing back to back reviews in the next episode to kind of play catch up, uh, because we had some more family emergency type stuff come up and we had to cancel our gameplay stuff. So uh, with this and the uh, wonderful special announcement you guys will hear later from one of our uh, additional guests, uh, we're going to go sans game review this time around and just give you everything else that makes up all us geeks. So now you can listen to us and decide if you like us as just a game review <laughs> uh, podcast or a podcast that talks about everything but game reviews. You be the judge. Let us know. Give us some comments. And we'll see if there's an episode 41. <laughs> oh, I'll be stat stocking once this goes up. <laughs> <laughs> so to lead us off, what do you want to start with? I can do the Don's lecture. Don's lecture. All right. Yeah, right. It doesn't work as well, especially with the geek news, does it? No. It's, it's kind of tainted now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> How did I get that stigma? What? <laughs> you brought it up? <laughs> wow. Hey, I've got news about a sex offender. Woohoo! <laughs> Do you have any good news? <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
feel like I'm losing a game. I don't even know the rules to. <laughs> well, it's no fun if the victim knows the rules. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Go ahead, on, sir. All right. Well, before I start lecturing on stuff, I'll quick talk about the uh, winter season, the winter 2014 anime season. The uh, big news, of course, is Space Dandy, which is simulcasting on American TV on Toonami. Love it, hate it, or be indifferent. It's there. It's big, it's bold, it's brash, it's something. Uh, this particular season, there's a whole lot of second halves. For quite a while, there's been a real push for single season shows, 12 or 13 episodes. There's kind of a swing back to having two season long shows, 26 or so episodes, Golden Time, Kill a Kill, Log Horizon, a bunch more. There's also a lot of sports shows coming out right now. Um, just off the top of my head, there was a, a baseball one on cycling, basketball, boxing, and Mahjong. Yes, Saki is back, and I'm really happy about that. And there's a bunch of short form, which is the two to five minute long ones. There's a bunch of those of different types, one even a horror type, which is kind of interesting. Just to give you an idea of what the simulcast world is like now in anime, three years ago, uh, when it was just kind of starting out and Crunchyroll was really kind of pushing the Starting out, they simulcast 15 shows three years ago, winter season. This season, they're doing about 50, 5-0. Funimation's doing another eight or so. There's a few others scattered through other sites. It still goes to show you how much is going on at one time right now. And I will tell you, it's hard to keep up. Okay, so on to my discussion topic, or Don's lecture, however you look at it. Don's discussion. Of lecturing. <laughs> Where I talk to myself. This time I'm going to talk about the fundamental differences between Eastern and Western storytelling. Or if you want a more colorful title, it is, Why do anime endings always suck? <laughs> okay, before you get too far, when are you going to do the Ukraine anime? Because we get asked every, every time. <laughs> we have a Ukraine listener. <sighs> I'm who really to... enjoys the anime segment, but Don, you're just, you're not living up to your, your one true fan. Oh, man. I feel we're working for you, boo. We're trying. Yeah, we're trying, Jonathan. Uh, I know very little about the market there, though I do know that sites like Crunchyroll do have uh, put their stuff out there for lots of different places, not just North America, but worldwide, usually not Japan. What about Crimea? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So if you would ask me why do anime endings always suck, I would tell you you're wrong. They don't always suck. I can think of quite a few really, really good endings just off the top of my head. But that's not what I'm talking about here. Nor am I talking about the technical reasons why anime endings tend to suck. That is usually due to the fact that they make the anime series for a manga that's really popular right now, and that's not finished yet. So when they get to the end of it, the manga's not done. They don't know how to end it, so they come up with lots of different ways. Very few of those actually work out really well. Instead, I'm going to go along a different path and explain more where it's got to do with expectations of what we're expecting an ending to be like versus what the creators were creating. A big part of this discussion would have to do with the language of film, which is a whole huge topic in and of itself that I would love to talk about someday, but I'm not going to go into it into detail now. But when I say language, I'm not talking Japanese language versus English language. I'm talking about the language of film itself, a language that's built up over years of cinema when we watch a movie, there's a lot of stuff going on in it that we recognize from older movies throughout time. And just the way that they're done, we can we, we instinctively tell some things. 
like, for example, if you just turn on the TV and you see a soap opera, you immediately know it's a soap opera just because of the style it is and the way it's done. When it comes to the Japanese side, they have their own cinematic history and their own language to film, which borrows somewhat from ours, but has its, a lot of its own things as well. Anime, of course, builds on top of that and has its language on top of that. And that's part of it, but I'm going to sidestep a lot of that discussion and focus in more on when it comes to the endings and structure and purpose of the shows. The first thing I'm going to talk about is the overall structure of series and storytelling in general. When it comes to the West, we are built on a three-act structure, which is setup, confrontation, and then the resolution, which includes the climax. This has been built on our theater experience throughout the ages and is built through uh, our cinematic history. And it's so ingrained in everything that we look at and that we watch that we tend to think that's the only way that stories are told. But it's not. There are other ways, uh, other structures of story. And anime world builds more upon its own theatrical history, dealing with uh, Kabuki, Bunraku, No Theater, and some of those others that have different structures. A common one that you can see throughout those is a five-act structure. It's also called Jo-Ha-Q. The first act is called Jo. The last act is called Q. And the What's three, the middle act called? All three middle acts are called Ha, because apparently <laughs> uh, Japanese scholars don't understand the principles of naming things. <laughs> no, really, the, the Ha part... And we've just lost our one Japanese <laughs> listener. <laughs> Sorry, Japanese listener. Uh, what are we up to? That's... <laughs> 44 hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Can't take them back. <laughs> the structure has some similarities to our three-act structure, but there's a lot of differences as well. So when we're watching these shows, and they're built upon a five-act structure, we're trying to see it in terms of a three-act. But it's not really meant to be that way. It's not meant to fit into that little box. So to us, it feels like the flow is off, or the resolution doesn't feel right. When they're not trying to write to you as a three-act structure in the first place. Another thing that makes things really different is that they aren't necessarily supposed to come to an ending like we think of endings. We have the classic happily ever after ending for our fairy tales and whatnot, implying that after the hero's grand adventure, he goes on to live a completely mundane, though pleasant life. Whereas when it comes to these Eastern stories, again, built on Johaku storytelling, it's a cyclical thing, not a come to an end, where the ending of a story is really just the beginning of the next. It's just a chapter in the person's life. So if it comes to the point where it doesn't feel like it's resolving everything, well, that's on purpose. It's only resolving that part of his life and can be moving on from there to the next thing. If we're lucky, we get a second season or not. We know how that feels. <laughs> it's not just to set up for a second season, though. They do that plenty. It, it's really a, the whole basics of Joha Q with the Ha part being cyclical. Well, it's even more where each part of that is broken into its own five acts and et cetera, et cetera. But basically, the ending of an anime story isn't meant to be the ending many times. It's meant to be the start. And then the next thing. Now, this is the most important one. If you're going to remember anything that I talked about this time, this is the one I want you to remember. It's not going to be, though. <laughs> And now that I, I think, we've already got I remember moments <laughs> <laughs> on you. Uh, you know, now that I think about it, I should have done this one first. 
<laughs> but for you listeners who are still paying attention, this is the one you should remember. Anime tends to be character-focused instead of story-focused. Here in the West, when we write our stories, it's about the story, about the way things turn out. When it comes to the characters, they're kind of like the setting. They're the the wheels that make things go. They're the, the cogs of the machine. But it's really about the story. And then beyond that, a comedy is about the humor. Dramas are about making girls and embarrassed guys cry. In the anime world, it's got a different, again, built on its history, to come from the character perspective. Now, it's hard to imagine what I'm really saying with that without examples. Think of it like this. In your standard story in the West, the show comes to a climax when the hero goes up against the big villain into a big battle and defeats him. That's based around the story. Now, if you're based around the character, the climax comes earlier. It comes at the point where the hero gets the resolve to go fight the villain to bring about the ending. It's when he finds that, that inner strength. That's the climax of the character arc and the climax of the, in this case, anime series. When it comes to actually fighting the villain, well, that's kind of the physical stamp to show that the hero has made that decision. It's, it's almost epilogue at that point. But that little bit permeates a lot of how these stories are structured. And it can really throw us off for these endings. Well, we're expecting the whole story to come together, but it's really focused around what the character is coming to at the end. I can't think of a better example of this than Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is a incredibly popular giant robot show from back in the 90s. Its ending threw off even the Japanese audiences when the show about giant robots fighting weird aliens changed more and more into a philosophical show about this boy's inner thoughts and his own problems. And when it got to the last couple episodes, it didn't even have the giant robots anymore. It was all kind of a dreamscape of what's going on in this boy's head, which there's some hints in the show that the whole rest of it is really just a dream anyway. But the real point of the show... I can take that off my list. (laughs) (laughs) The whole point of the show was this boy's journey, not the story about the robots. And that's where the ending went to. So if you're wondering what happened with all that big robots and instrumentality stuff, that really wasn't the point in the first place. Well, you know, when you say that, when you point out that difference, uh, I hadn't really thought about that, but that goes right back to like this past summer when we were talking about... Hibernate? No, Vandred. Oh, Vandred. That totally sums up because my complaint was it finished too fast. But when you take into account that what you've said, his journey ended at at the... uh the sweat lodge, essentially, where he was having his revelation about what type of person he wanted to be in, in that dream sequence, climbing the mountain, the endless mountain. And then the wrap up with the big battle at Earth was just that, you know, let, right. We have that little dangling thread we have to finish. So let's finish that. But his story is right here. And notice also in that one, when you get to the big battle, it's, you see some of the big battle, but then it really focuses in on the character mm-hmm. and his personal battle against the thing. Again, kind of sidestepping what we think of as a story and getting into the character story because that's what it's really about. So that's it, a great example. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because it's a, it's an immediate example of how you're seeing it in a different light now when you're seeing that the point is different than what you thought it was. And I'm going to step one step beyond that as well. And when it comes to purpose, it's not just that it's character focused, but we're expected to put ourselves in the role of these characters and live out their journey with them and make the decisions along with them. 
There's a lot of hints to this in general, but the whole point is to make it empathic. Now, Western storytelling tries to teach us things as well a lot of times, whether that's, you know, true love always wins or whatever. There's usually some sort of message underlying it somewhere. When it comes to these shows, however, it's got a little different purpose that goes along with the character focus, and that is trying to teach you something about yourself by living through this character's life. Western stuff doesn't really try to put us in the character's role, usually. And, I mean, look at our history. It's You look at, uh, like, Superman, for example. Can you really relate to Superman, who's literally an alien, or Batman, who's a billionaire, or Wolverine, who's a Canadian? I'm a Canadian billionaire that, in this country, is an alien. So, yeah, I can relate to all that. But two out of three people in this room can't. <laughs> Whereas a lot of times these uh, lead characters don't have a lot of personality to begin with, but they grow and change throughout, and we're supposed to be there with them doing the same thing. And, in fact, I've read some interesting papers about how some shows even point out that we should go a step beyond that and observe ourselves fitting into these roles, but that's going too far anyway. So that's my overall talk about this, how the, the structure is different, the purpose is different. So when you come in with certain expectations, you may be thrown off or just not getting the ending you expect, and you can just write it off as they blew it. But it doesn't necessarily mean they blew anything. They may have done the ending they, they had intended to do all along. You just weren't expecting that. And that's all I had to say about that. Well, all right. I, I feel thoroughly lectured. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we have another special guest with us today. Yeah, not only is Don here, but we've got somebody uh, that wants to talk to us about some changes coming up in their personal career goal. Who do we have on Skype today? This is Scott Morris, who most people know me better as Talks from com. I would think. Yes. So, uh, fellow game reviewer. If you want to call me that, yeah, sure. <laughs> There's no West Side Story here. <laughs> Well, come on. At best, it's East and Midwest, (laughs) and that's a horrible title. There you go. Well, Scott, you uh, you wanted to come on and uh, let us know a little bit about what's going on with you, and uh, I was happy to hear. I haven't talked to you since Gen Con, so I was uh, happy to have you on. What do you got going on, man? Yeah, yeah, Gen Con feels like it was yesterday, too. It's uh, it's amazing how quick things fly by. Or tomorrow, the way everything's getting pushed. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's amazing. So no, I, I appreciate it. I, we, you know, we love you guys at All Us Geeks and, and we're excited about this. So there is a announcement. Um, I think as we're recording this, it hasn't actually been announced, but there will be an announcement that you can refer to, I'm sure. But I am going to be joining the Arcane Wonders team and I'm going to become their vice president of business development, which is really exciting, both for me personally, obviously, but also for Arcane Wonders. If anyone is not familiar with Arcane Wonders, they are also known known as, quote-unquote, the Mage Wars guys. They make Mage Wars, which is a wildly popular, customizable strategy game of dueling mages, which involves uh, you being a mage, jumping into an arena, and using cards to cast spells and creatures to uh, go over and cuddle and cuddle your opponents. Uh, no, k- kill them and attack them and go after them. I was like, we're so. playing it all wrong, Jordan. 
<laughs> there is a strategy. You know, you could put like a bunch of bitterwood foxes and just surround your opponent and make them feel all happy and they'll just leave. But I didn't know it, we were supposed to have candlelight fun. and my steak dinner. I'll, I'll turn off play. my extra lamp the next time. <laughs> make it a little bit more romantic. You like. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, you guys can play it however you like. <laughs> actually, uh, it probably hasn't been that long ago, but Jordan and I came late to the game on Mage Wars, and I remember posting out to our social media stuff like, oh, my God, guys, why did you not let us know about this sooner? We uh, <laughs> Mage Wars is just an absolutely great game that we've had a lot of fun with. And it's one like we haven't reviewed yet, and I think part of it is because we kind of want to keep it. It's It's our happy place. <laughs> <laughs> it's nope. not at all related to anything that we do on the air. Yeah. So. Understood. <laughs> thanks no, for ruining thank, it. Thank you. Yeah, that, th- thank th- you. yeah thanks awesome. for ruining it. Thanks for bringing it on the show. <laughs> hey, way to go, Tox. Right. Uh, well, I said we were going to be, you know, do spoilers. So what can I say? <laughs> no, that's, that's, I mean, it's great to hear that you guys like it. it it's, um, when I first found it, it was actually at Gen Con 2012. And uh, I was blown away by it. I was with a, a good friend of mine. Uh, we were eating dinner. We met Brian uh, Pope, who is the owner of Arcane Wonders and, and the creator of Mage Wars. And uh, we were supposed to have a real short dinner. You know, we were supposed to have like maybe, uh, you know, maybe a half hour, hour dinner and then, then jet off to something else. As Gen Con usually is, you know, it's, it's 150 miles an hour. And uh, we ended up sitting there for, I think it was almost like five hours just talking about the game and it was the first time we were hearing about it, right? And my, my friend was a former Magic player, and, and he played professionally. So he he understood, you know, a lot about, you know, mage battling games and things like that. And we were blown away by just what we were hearing. And then the next day, we went down to the demo hall, and Patrick Connor, uh, who is our uh, marketing, social media, and PR guy, he he got involved and, and taught us how to, to play, and we just were blown away, and we loved it. And I'll never forget it, because I don't normally beat my friend at games, and uh, I, I beat him pretty soundly and handily that first game. And I looked at him, and I went, wow, that doesn't happen often. Either this game is terrible, or you don't understand it. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, no, I think I got it now, and I think we're going to play again, like, immediately. <laughs> I was like, all right. And then he proceeded to throttle me the next game. So, But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and um, and that's really kind of where it all started. You know, Brian and I kept in touch over time, and then recently we, we started talking about, you know, the possibilities of me coming to, to work with him and for him, uh, and I told him what my career goals were, you know, what I was looking for, and, and he told me what he wanted from Arcane Wonders and, you know, what he wanted to do with the company, and I, I think, you know, we just somehow amazingly managed to get all the heavenly bodies in line and worked everything out, and uh, and now we're off to the races, so I, I'm really excited. I think it's it's got some good stuff coming up from the company and uh, a lot of good things, both from Mage Wars and from other things, too, so I, I think it's going to be really exciting. So from the Arcane Wonders side of things, what does you coming on in this new position mean for them? Yeah, so a lot. <laughs> um, so obviously uh, growth is like the, the big word. That's like the number one thing. Our Arcane Wonders as a company is looking to to be more than just, quote unquote, the Mage Wars guys. And I'm really excited about that because that was one of the things I really wanted to help with is, is make them more than just known for this one game. So I, I can't let all the cats out of the bag right now, but I can tell you we're going to be a Gamma next week. Um, which is in Las Vegas, and I'm going to be talking at one of the dinners there. We're going to have a couple of announcements there. But we do have plans, I can tell you, um, to do things outside of the Mage Wars universe. We're going to kind of look at it as a balanced approach. You know, it's going to be uh, working with the, the IP and the game that it is right now and the community that we have right now and 
both, you know, making sure that that is, you know, kept in lockstep in terms of foundation and growing from there and making more great things in the arena, but then also looking at other IPs and other games and other things to make it part of the Arcane Wonders portfolio. Uh, we actually do have one game already kind of in the works, I would say, in production for that that first thing outside of Mage Wars. I can't say anything about what it is or, or, or what it's going to be, but I can tell you it's very different of a game than, than what Mage Wars is. Uh, it's family-friendly game. Oh, you've given it all away. <laughs> I have. I know. It's, 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 uh, yeah. But it, it's a family-friendly game, so it's something that you could play, you know, whether you're hanging out with your friends, having, uh, you know, a game night, or whether you're a family, you know, and you want to involve your kids and things like that. Uh, and I think it's going to appeal to to both those those types of gamers at the same time, which I'm really excited for. So it's going to be pretty cool. But we're going to see a lot more different things coming out that will help augment Mage Wars and then also help grow Arcane Wonders as a company as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. So are they looking mostly at internal products or are they also seeking out like other designers and publishers uh, or designers for games? I would, I would say a little bit of both. You know, we've got some really creative design guys that are working on Mage Wars and, and that universe inside the company. And, you know, the challenge usually in that is we have such a good game and, and such a great fan base and community. And we're constantly looking at adding more cards and more mages and more things into the arena that they're, they're just, their workload is like swamped, right? With all the stuff they've got to do. But then they have all these great ideas, you know, like, oh, what if we did this? You know, I don't know, pull, pull something out of, you know, wherever and, and create this. And everyone goes, yes, that's a great idea. Where do we have four more hours in the day to go do that? <laughs> so that's, that's always the challenge with that. But I think we definitely want to look both at, at what our internal teams have and, and then, you know, definitely look at what external things we have uh, in the pipe as well. We've got a couple of people that have already uh, kind of brought some ideas to us and, and things to Brian directly, uh, and we're we're taking a look at those and looking them over. But it's uh, it's some really cool stuff. There's an amazing amount of people out there with amazing amount of creative ideas. So it's it should be pretty cool. Acrylic tokens, acrylic tokens. That's something we've talked about. We've actually talked about deluxe tokens. Enough tokens. <laughs> <laughs> we we've talked about some different things like that, and, and that's one of the things you know. I would love to ask your listeners and, and anyone who's a fans of Mage Wars, you know, let let us know. You know, I you can literally email me directly. My my email is just Scott Morris at ArcaneWonders dot com. Uh, I would love to hear from people about, you know, some of the things that they're looking for. It's funny because a lot, a lot of people love that customizable aspect of the game. You know, when we say it's a customizable strategy game, it's more than just the cards, right? I mean, there are people I've seen that, that get so customized between their spell books and, you know, there, there's a guy I met, I'll never forget, there's a guy I met at one organized play event where he actually had a ring made, like a custom ring. To, to play with his warlock every time he played the warlock. And I'm like, okay, that's like epically cool and amazing that you spent that much money for something like that, but it's cool. So people love to get into their character. So, and, and whether it's, you know, custom dice or, you know, acrylic tokens or things like that, I'd, I'd love to hear ideas. We already have a lot of ideas thrown around, but obviously we want to do what the community wants. So, you know, we'd love to hear from you guys as well. Enough tokens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm getting the sense you're burning too many people and you don't have enough burn tokens. Is that what it is? <laughs> I'm just saying when the starter says says you should have an armor token and there's no armor token. <laughs> that was so that was correct. There there were some armor tokens and some of the expansions. That is true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is true. If that's the only complaint that I came away with from my first play, and it was, then I think it's a good game. 
That's pretty uh, good. Damn, you reviewed it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Mage Wars. It's a good game. Okay. <laughs> okay. You know what you know what you guys have to do now? You have to do a review of the game over candlelight. Like you know, it's a set. That's what has to be done. <laughs> oh. Well, there's your first deluxe upgrade is <laughs> since it's all the all the rage now on pretty much every Kickstarter in the FRPG world, you've got to do the <laughs> mood music C D too. <laughs> that'd be pretty cool that'd be pretty cool we could we could include like two special candles like with the collector <laughs> or something <sighs> the all us geek special there you go <laughs> all right it's got we'd have, you- limit, we'd have to limit it to only like three backers though right because it would only be the three of us buying it maybe <laughs> <That's> prob- <laughs> i don't know probably if that <laughs> eh, i can go with the basic <laughs> 99 cent candles from the dollar store. You know, there you go. Yeah, I, I like him, just not that much. Uh, you were talking about your new title, and, and of course we were talking a little bit before we started, and we kind of wanted to make sure that everybody understood Patrick's role in, in the uh, new organization, if you will. Yeah, no, his his role actually is staying the same. You know, Patrick's been a big part of our community and, and marketing and PR, uh, whether it's on social media or whether it's talking with, you know, distributors or retailers or anyone like that, uh, and fans as well. And, and a, a couple of people that have known about this have asked, you know, are you replacing Patrick? And that's, that's not the case at all. So it's been really good feedback because everything I've heard from people is, you know, they know Patrick, they know him by name and, and they have a good relationship with him. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited about that. He's going to be working for me and we're going to be part of the whole sales and marketing uh, piece whether we're talking to distributors or retailers or fans so it's going to be really fun and Patrick's a great guy he's actually the guy that taught me the game so I, I, I can't hold anything against him unless I, I get a play wrong and then I blame it on him so <laughs> it's uh, but uh, yeah no it's, it's exciting stuff and of course we can't really uh, end this conversation without the question that's probably on a lot of people's minds and that's what's going on with crits happen then yeah so you know we I was really surprised. I, I think uh, more than anything, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to come to Arcane Wonders was Brian, uh, Brian Pope, the owner and the, the creator of Mage Wars. He's got a very infectious personality. He is a great guy and, and very stand up in terms of business. And when I first started talking to him about this type of role and what it could mean for the company, what it could mean for me uh, and where we'd be going with this, I just kind of assumed that it would be the end of crits happen. Uh, I figured that this, this type of drastic move, uh, would put me in a position where, uh, A, I, I probably wouldn't have enough time to even keep up with crits happen, but, but B, I would just, you know, be in a position where it would be a little awkward. Uh, and surprisingly, he actually said to me, he said, no, he said, I, I actually would like you, you know, to keep doing it or what are your thoughts about keeping, keeping on, keeping on. So we sat down and we talked about it and we, we came up with a plan that we think is, is pretty good. We've put some things in place already over the last couple of weeks. Um, and some people may have seen it already, but we used to follow like a four week format. Basically what we would do is, uh, week one of the month, we would do a critical review where we do an overview of a game and, and give it a rating. And, and our rating system is a, a crit, a hit, or a miss. And it's, it's pretty simple and straightforward. And then week two of the game, uh, or week two of the month, we would do uh, either a, a critical situation where we would like talk about certain points in the gameplay uh, or what we call a critical strike, which are three micro reviews. And then we do a lot of Kickstarter previews as well. 
And I think uh, the way you're going to see things changing now is uh, obviously the the site's still going to be there and we're still going to be doing everything we do. Um, as much as I love Mage Wars and uh, some of the other things that we're going to be doing with Arcane Wonders, I can't just talk about that all the time. Uh, and I love games and I, I, I love talking about games. So I think it's a good idea to, to keep that outlet for me personally so I don't go insane. Uh, and apparently people like us talking about games because they follow us. So that's good. But what we're going to do is uh, we've changed our critical reviews to critiques where we still go through the overview of the game and, and talk about our experiences with the game, uh, but then we leave it up to the fans to actually vote on if it's a crit, a hit, or a miss. And, and really the primary reason behind that is, as much as I know that I could give a genuine review of something, I, I don't want it to ever have a perceived bias uh, of any reason whatsoever just because I work for uh, uh, Arcane Wonders and, and have that kind of floating around out there. So while we'll still kind of talk about everything cool that, that we experience while playing the game, we're going to leave it up to the fans of our site to actually vote on if it's a crit, a hit, or a miss, which we started already. Uh, the last three reviews have all been critiques. Uh, it's gotten some good good vibes and good feedback on it, so I think we're going in the right direction with that. Uh, and then week two is is probably my most favorite right now because we're bringing back our critical play series where we just take a game and sit down and play it. Uh, it's nowhere near as polished as this tabletop is, but, you know, we all have goals and strive for it and everything. And there's no Will Wheaton either. So we I'm out. <laughs> I know, Unsubscribe. Wait a minute. What's this? <laughs> but do you have somebody that knocks over all the tokens just before scoring? <laughs> Not yet, but we did play Rampage last night at that count or anything. So, but yeah, it's it's really cool because we're actually filming them in a store. Um, so we have where we are in Austin, Texas. We're really blessed. We have a lot of game stores, and they're all really good. We partner with a couple of them, and one of them is called Wonko's uh, Wonko's Toys and Games. They're very different. Most people walk into a game store and they just see nothing but comics and games. Uh, and Wonko's has not a comic to be seen in sight. Uh, they are nothing but collectible toys and board games which is really cool and they have a huge play area so they offered it up to us and they said hey why don't we film here so we're literally you know taking three or four hours uh, every other week going over there and and doing a playthrough of a game we did uh, compounded from dice hate me a couple of weeks ago uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't win, but I didn't lose. I ended up tying with, with somebody else, which is fun. And then last night, we actually, literally last night, we just filmed Rampage, uh, which is uh, hopefully going to come out really cool. I looked at some of the, the video shots we took last night, and it, it was pretty fun. But that's going to be a big thing, bringing back the critical plays, I think. A lot of people really liked those when we were doing them of Marvel Legendary and things like that. So I, I think that'll be a big one. And then uh, we're also going to introduce something that we just started, I think maybe two or three weeks ago, uh, called the crit list, which is going to be lists, but in a very different fashion. We're not going to do like the top 10 deck building games or the top 10 worker placement games. We wanted to do different things. So we started one uh, a couple weeks ago where we did the top three sites that you may not already know about. Uh, and we decided to focus on um, board game bloggers or video uh, vloggers and, and people that do that. And, and that may not you know, really be getting a lot of press. Um, and, and people had like maybe 100 or 200, 250 subscribers, and that was it. So we took, took some time and talked about them, you know, people we follow and, and who we like and why. And it made a pretty good impact. I was pretty happy with it. You know, I wanted to do something that was, you know, kind of get back to the community type thing. And uh, it worked out pretty well. So I was pretty happy about that. And then we have... 
we have some more, you know, crazy, funny ideas for some lists. We we have one uh, that that I'm looking forward to, which is going to be the the top three games to punch your friend in the face over. Which, as we uh, we've learned along the way talking to people, you know, depending on your play group or depending on your play style, might be every game in existence. But you know, we'll we'll see how that one goes. So there's a reason our last few episodes were short. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. Boom. See you later. No. So yeah, so we're, we're still going to keep it around. Uh, it's just going to be more fan focused for providing the input and, and much more on the actual gameplay of the games than, than our actual, like, you know, hard review of the games or anything like that. So I'm, I'm really excited about that because, you know, at the end of the day, I do what I do from Crits Happen and I do what I'm about to start doing now for Arcane Wonders because I love board games i love games uh it doesn't have to be a board it could be cards it could be dice it could be anything and i love the social aspect of that and people coming together and making new friends and meeting new people and having new experiences so i i think it's going to be really fun it's going to be uh it's gonna be exciting from both sides and thankfully i'm bald already because if i had any hair left i'd probably be pulling it out along the way because it's going to be a lot of a lot of work a lot of time but it'll be a lot of fun <laughs> What has been your, or what will be your, your first official thing for Arcane Wonders? Has it been these discussions you've been having, or have you already kind of done something else? Well, I haven't done anything like official for them yet, because I'm not technically, at the time of recording this, employed by them yet. But the first thing is actually going to be Gamma. So uh, Gamma is the uh, trade show that's held out in Vegas every year for retailers and distributors. Uh, they get to meet up with, you know, several of the board game companies. And, and we have a lot of discussions around, you know, how to help communities grow, you know, at the retailers, how to make sure people have all the right stuff that they can inform their, you know, customers and consumers about the games. Sometimes there's people... People just learning about games for the first time too. Um, it amazes me, you know. While, while you guys know about Mage Wars and, and I know about Mage Wars, and a lot of my friends know about Mage Wars, a lot of people just in general know. It still amazes me how many people haven't heard of it, or they've heard of it and they haven't had the time to really look at it and check it out and see it. So, kind of, you know, task number one is going to be uh, next Tuesday. I'm actually flying out there. We're going to meet with a lot of the distributors personally. I'm going to get to sit down, talk to them, and you know, hear about what kind of challenges they're having, what successes they're having. Get to talk to retailers about what they see from an organized play perspective. You know, what their game groups are like, what people are asking them for. You know, you guys are obviously wanting us to, you know, make an expansion set of nothing but tokens. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, but acrylic that's tokens, a, though, acrylic, 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 not just cardboard. Right. Just just take a thousand tokens and put them in a box. <laughs> and they're all armor tokens and that's it. <laughs> you can't have too much armor. You can't. Not in that game. Where, where's where's the joke, Scott? <laughs> I'll be nice. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's going to be that's going to be task number one. And that's going to be a big thing is a lot of traveling this year. Right. You know, we got. Gamma coming up. We've got Origins. We've got Gen Con, BGG Con. It's it's it seems like it's a, there's a con every month now, especially with you know more local things happening. So that that'll be kind of task number one, and then uh, from there it's going to be uh, the next set, which a lot of people already have uh, seen and, and know about. But we have a a set coming out here very soon called Forged in Fire, uh, which is going to be uh, an expansion that includes a new warlord who is a anvil thrown dwarf. And then we have a new warlock who is an Adremelech warlock. And those terms may be new. Maybe some people listening to your show don't know, know what they are initially, even if they're playing Mage Wars, you know, competitively or, or quite a lot casually. But one of the things that we're going to be working on a lot this year are the factions and, and the, uh, the different 
stories that interweave those factions together. We're doing a couple of things, partnering with some people uh, to bring out some new products that are going to help with that. And uh, I think that's going to be one of the cooler things that happens this year. But uh, the new set, Forge and Fire, is really cool. Uh, if you if you don't have enough burn tokens, get the burn tokens because there's, <laughs> there, there's going to be quite a bit. And of course, there'll be tokens included with the set as well. But uh, there, there's quite a quite a few cool things coming out in that set. So we're pretty excited about that. Well, maybe you can't talk about it, but you just talk. You just mentioned growing, growing the factions and growing that stuff. And there's mm-hmm. some fluff in all the books. Are, are you giving any thought to, and this is really a strange question for me because I generally don't <laughs> like, or I don't, I'm not keen on, uh, licensed world literature. Have you given mm-hmm. any thought to that kind of thing though? Some, you know, major war specific, you know, books. We have. That was one of the things, uh, that when I first started talking about this position that I, I told Brian that I wanted to talk about world building. You know, how do we, how do we take the universe of Mage Wars and this really rich backstory and, and bring it to the forefront for people who are interested in it? Um, there, there's a lot of our fan base really loves the story behind the different mages. And uh, fortunately, to date, it's really not been pushed out there enough. Um, it's, it's part of the organized play kits. And if you, you play competitively, you've probably been involved with it or seen it or active on the forums. You may have seen it. But in terms of past that, there really hasn't been that much. I, I can't let the cat out of the bag as to who yet. But I can say that next week at Gamma, we're going to be uh, talking about maybe some Major Wars comic books, uh, mm-hmm. which is going to be pretty cool as well. So um, I'm pretty excited about something like that, too. That'd be cool. Since this isn't going to be out until next week, can you say <laughs> if that's going to be self-published or with one of the smaller houses? It won't be self-published. Uh, it will be partnered with somebody. It's not uh, anybody gigantic uh, in terms of the big two that everyone knows about, um, but it is with someone who does have a very good track record, uh, has very good creative team, and, and we're really looking forward to, to partnering with them and doing some really cool stuff. Do they have a horse? <laughs> Uh, in their backyard? I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, uh, not in their name. No, okay. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> All right. So bottom line, Scott, this announcement and you going to work with Arcane Wonders, good things for Arcane Wonders and good things for Crits Happen. Yeah, thank you. I'm pretty excited about it. I, I think it's going to be a fun year for the rest of this year, and I'm really looking forward to stuff after that. And, uh, if there's anything that I can leave you guys with a final thought is uh, just community, community, and community. The more people we get involved with the game, the more people we get playing the game, talking on Facebook, talking on Twitter, talking on our forums. We love to hear from all the fans and want to know exactly what it is they like. I will work with Brian to get you guys your 1,000 token set of <laughs> farmer. But for everybody else... Reach out to us. Let us know. You can find us. You know, you can search Mage Wars on on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Twitter is just at Mage Wars, and and then of course we're at uh, ArcaneWonders.com or MageWars.com as well. Well, you know, we're all about community here at All Us Geeks. So you know, come on back when you guys ever want to talk about something. We'll happily have you on. We would love that. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, and keep doing what you guys do. you got a great podcast, and even if you are a little long-winded sometimes like I am, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you for coming oh, on. Oh, jackass. <laughs> Don, what do you got for us? <laughs> what are you uh, reviewing today? 
I don't think you told me ahead of time this time, so this will be a, a surprise to me as well. Well, it worked out because you were pretty busy this yeah. last <laughs> month or so. <laughs> but uh, Jordan did watch, uh, what, the first season, right? Yes. Uh, it's a show called Clannad, one that's uh, very special to me personally. But it's it's not just me that really likes this show. If you go look around on Top 50, Top 100 anime series on various sites on the web, it's pretty common to see Clannad in there and often in the top ten, if not one of the top three. It's a very well-loved show, uh, for good reasons. But it's not the only reason I picked that one to talk about. I can also, along with it, talk about a little bit of the genre it's in, and where that genre comes from. Clannad is in the harem genre, which is a very popular genre. The harem genre is more or less what it sounds like. You have one male lead who's surrounded by a whole bunch of good-looking girls who dote on him. I know how that goes. Uh, <laughs> what I was saying before about putting yourself in, in the role of the character, this is basic wish fulfillment stuff. That's why the whole genre exists in the first place. Burn! <laughs> Don's dick moves. <laughs> you set up the putt, man. It was easy. <laughs> yeah, I did. I can't, can't. We'll take that out in editing. <laughs> Uh, the harem genre has been going strong for some time now. I was just looking back at what I watched the last couple months. I saw quite a few of them just in the last couple months. The Capital Three, So I Can't Play H, Oni I, Or Ashura, GJ Club, Data Live, and Blessing of the Campanella. And I probably forgot a few. Uh, they really came to prominence in the 90s, starting with the Tenshi Muyu franchise. Coming out of that, they were generally in the comedy genre, which is fairly fitting in that, if you think about it, only one of those girls is really going to have a, a good ending with a guy or, or could in a situation like that. So the comedy kind of keeps that lighter, and they usually don't have a... Yes, we're 12. I, I was You're trying that to, old? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was trying to avoid the term happy ending, and apparently I didn't do good enough. <laughs> well, she doesn't get a happy ending. She's a good ending. She's right. working up to the happy ending. All right, okay. Let's turn on the TV. <laughs> Guys, done? Probably not. Probably not. not. But you just talk over us. Going into the 2000s, we started seeing more and more dramas coming out of this genre. Wasn't focused on just being silly and comedic, but having dramatic storylines. And not just, I can't say love triangle. I don't know what particular polygon you would use for these, but has a lot more to do with personal character stories. This comes out of the visual novel video game which deserves a little explanation of its own because it's not something we really have here in the States. It's not something that's ever really caught on here. But it's a big thing in Japan. I read back in 2006, 70% of the PC game market was visual novels. This happens to be of the subgenre of that, of the dating sim game, uh, which basically is what it sounds like. Uh, You play a male lead, young male lead usually, who meets up with a bunch of young attractive girls, and the goal is to end up dating one of them. These come in both regular and hentai flavors. The hentai Why are you looking at me? <laughs> We're just waiting for you to list the examples. <laughs> Sometimes they have both flavors for the same game. Now, why would you make a non-hentai version of a hentai game, you might ask? Well, thank you for asking, hypothetical listener. <laughs> Which we have a lot of. <laughs> It turns out these 
dating sim games are a whole lot more involved than you would think from just a basic description of them. In fact, they're very much focused on their story and about helping the characters. You can't just win it by giving the girl flowers a bunch of times. She's going to have some sort of complicated story dealing with her, her past or something she's going through right now that you got to help her work through. I'm just thinking of Buki. That was a pretty complicated story. She's dead. (laughs) Uh, You saw it in Clannad. Each one has their own deep background and story to it. Mm -hmm. This has become pretty common in the dating sim genre. So much so, it's it's just kind of the thing in them now. It didn't start out that way, though. Well, let me first explain what a dating sim game is like. They're very simply done. They have just static backgrounds that you just move from location to location. And they draw characters over top of the backgrounds, just in very simple poses. It looks more like pages out of a manga than any sort of video game. And you're presented with simple choices to make. For example, you'll be in a classroom, and a girl you never met appears and says, Good morning, maybe just with text, maybe with some voice acting. And then you're presented with some options, say three options. It might be, Good morning, or You are the most beautiful girl in the world. Or, get out of my face, bitch. I'm being silly, of hey, course. Hey, hey, I'm being silly, of course, but that's the basic idea, is that you choose one of the responses and move on to the next part of the game. It's just a simple choice points throughout the whole game, but you have to find the good path through the tree of possibilities for the girl that you're most interested in. Then you play it again for the girl you're second most interested in, etc., etc. The difference between the hentai and the non-hentai versions is the hentai ones have more sex in them. But... Like I said, that they're actually surprisingly good and deep stories in these, even in the hentai ones. So much so that they sometimes strip out the sex scenes out of these hentai games and give all ages versions of them as well. The company that really pushed the genre into the where it is today with the deeper stories is a company called Key that started releasing stuff in 1999. They've done 11 visual novels so far, and they have another one coming out this year. The first three were Kanan, Air, and Clanad. And there I am, finally wrapping back to what I'm reviewing. When they came out, the first two, Kanan and Air, they were both adult games, but the adult parts were very much minimized. And instead, they was focused on character scenarios, visuals, and music, which uh, sold really well and kind of revolutionized the genre. When they came out a few years later with Clanad, it was an all-ages release. It wasn't an adult at all. And it was the best-selling PC game in Japan at the time it was released. Moving on to the anime side of it, usually when anime productions are done for these visual novels, whether the hentai or not, they strip out the hentai aspects of them and they focus on these particular character storylines. And this is what happened with the collaboration between Key and Kyoto Animation when they made what fans refer to as the Seasons Trilogy, starting with Air, which was a 12 episode plus one plus two in 2005. It's one I have seen that was released by ADV Films a few years ago, and I consider it, I, I, I just don't know. It's either a, it's either a brilliant experimentalism or a bold failure. Mostly, I just don't understand it. Despite that, I found it very moving and very sad at the end. So, can I ask you a quick question? You know how here in in America, generally, if you're going to see a movie or even animated version of, say, like a video game, it's generally going to suck. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there a general consensus for when they do something like that uh, for anime? There used to be that stigma. But, for example, Stein's Gate, which is the first thing I reviewed, that was actually based on a visual novel. Clonad, again, another one based on a visual novel. Given that these visual novels are so deep in storytelling, 
that stigma doesn't really exist anymore. Okay. And in fact, the stigma has gone even beyond that. I've seen some pretty good shows based on like action games or something because they base it more on the more storytelling and stuff like that. So it's not the same stigma that we have here where we get another Mario Brothers movie. My God. Oh God, I hope not. <laughs> wow, horrors. Going back to Air, their first one, they call it the Seasons Trilogy because each of these is sort of associated with a particular season. Air takes place in the summer, hot summer month, and I see each of them as associated with a particular emotion. In the case of Air, I associate it with the emotion loss, which... It really is sad, especially I didn't know what was happening or why bad things were happening, but it was really sad. Why? <laughs> why? I, What's in the box? <laughs> it sounds silly, but it's actually pretty impressive that they could do that. Uh, the next was Kanan, which was actually the first game that was made. And there was a earlier animation done by a different studio. But Kyoto Animation got their hands on it in 2006, 2007. And released it as a 24 episode series, which was released here in the U.S. back when the bubble burst. This was one of the very last things that ADV Films would put out. They didn't quite finish it though. It was finished later by Funimation. This particular show, I associate, well, it's clearly associated with winter as it takes place in, in the mountains in a winter snow covered small village. And when I was watching it, I was thinking, okay, it's going to be another air. Here's a painful journey to go on. Check this out. I was very wrong. The emotion associated with Kanan is really hope. And it was a much more, well, air is actually, it, it's good at what it does, but Kanan was a much more uplifting and, and I found very powerful show. And for quite a while, it was my favorite of the three. And moving on to Clonad, which was done a year or two later, again by a Kyoto animation, which got two full seasons, uh, the first 22 episodes, plus an extra, plus an OIV, then Clonad After Story, another 22, plus an extra, plus a summary, plus an OAV. It was also released here in the U.S., uh, done by Sentai Filmworks, which is the company that rose from the ashes of ADV Films. It was, I believe, their first release, and was actually announced here in Small Con here in, in Minnesota. It's kind of cool. And it was also, I believe, the first show that they went back and dubbed and did an, a re-release on. Clonad is a story about this young man named Tomoya, who is a bit of a delinquent, high school kid. He gets into some fights. He's not that good about going to class. He meets up with this young girl named Nagisa, who it turns out is having some problems. She missed a year of school due to illness and uh, having a little trouble. And Tomoya, possibly out of boredom or possibly because he's kind of a good guy at heart, decides he's going to help her out. And the one thing that she's most wants to do is to resurrect a drama club. So they set out as kind of a long-term goal to resurrect the drama club. And along the way, they meet up with a number of other girls who have problems of their own, and they kind of individually work through them, you know, similar to what the game originally was. I know it doesn't sound like much, but it's hard to get across how well-written the characters are and the individual storylines. When it comes to what the show is really about, the emotion I associate with it is love. Now, I know that's sounds incredibly cheesy, and I wish I had a better word, but I just can't think of one. No, I, I'll agree with you on that, because it's clear that Tomoya loves all five of the girls, even up until, or beyond platonic and then romantic, you know, even as he's helping them through their each individual crisis, and he's 
kind of knocking him off. You know, okay, she's not right. going to be the one. She's not going to be, well, no, he, he's not killing them, but he's helping, the, helping get to their resolution. So she's not going to be the one. She's not going to be the one. She's not. And then in the last, uh, the OEV that they put on with the, for the alternate ending, if you didn't get it prior to that, they really choices to get where he wants to be, you know, that hits, it really hits you on the head with it. Right. But the romantic side is only one part of it. Mm-hmm. This is really love in a much more general sense. I'd like to say relationships, but relationships can be bad, too. This is really loving relationships that bring about strength and healing. Look throughout the show, all the different relationships throughout it. Ibuki's story, for example, is her love for her sister that drives that story. Nagisa's big story at the end is her parents' love for her. In fact, the original creator of the game built it all around family. Though I think it doesn't do the show justice to say just family. Because, like you said, there's more to it than... Just the familial relationships there. It's well, it expands what family is. You know, Tomoya yeah. is invited into Nagisa's home because he doesn't have. They don't know yet, but he doesn't have right. a family. And the rugby team, you know, where uh, right uh, Sumahara, you know, he's he's there. Even though I don't think rugby was his sport, but in in the do- the dorm and the, you know the dorm mother who uh, you know he's treating the whole team as the family. You know, there's very much an extended concept of family there. Yeah, that, and that's a good way of looking at it too. You can see all of these relationships as a sort of family, but you can see them as friendships. And there's the romantic aspect, like you talked about. These are all parts of it, and they're all different things that are examined by the show in different ways. And that's really the core of it, really what it's about. Now, as for Clonad After Story, after I watched Clonad, I really fell in love with it. I thought it was fantastic, but I actually didn't like it quite as much as Kanan. When I sat down to watch After Story, I thought, Clonad was such a very good and felt very complete show. I just didn't feel a need for more, although, you know, I was still happy to see more of the characters. I thought maybe just some extra side stories with some of the other characters. And that's what it is initially. And then it goes on to what it's really about. And when it comes to what I thought the show was going to be like, I have never been so wrong. The first season was not complete at all. The second season is all about filling the gaping hole that the first season left that I didn't even realize was there until I made it all the way, almost all the way through After Story when you look back and see what it was really all about in the first place, what the whole journey was about. And then I really... You're telling me it's about Sumahara, isn't it? <laughs> no. You probably don't even realize, because I didn't realize, what the gaping hole was at the time. No, I was just trying to go over it, and, and everything seems resolved. All the women have had a revolu- resolution, and and Tomoya himself, you know, he's made a choice, and then you're given the alternate ending, yep. and everything seemed contained. And it doesn't seem to go after the hole directly, but when you get through the whole storyline and look back and understand you know what the whole second season was about and the whole series as a whole comes into perspective god i'm never going to get to sword art because now i want to go watch the second <laughs> half of this <laughs> i i can't recommend enough clean out easily shot up to the top of my list for the series after watching that what it manages to do and the story manages to tell and what it manages to teach the viewer even if it's not something you didn't know just the, the reminder of the stuff about family, it absolutely pulls it off, especially when you tie in the second half. I would love to go into detail and talk and talk about the ending of the series, but I would give away everything about the second half just to do that. What is it with guests and not being able to talk about stuff tonight? <laughs> it's controversial for in, for interesting reasons. And if you watch it and have questions, email podcast at allusgeeks.com, correct? There you go. Email these guys. They'll send me 
your question, and I'll get back to you on it. And I'll give you my whole diatribe. We are the filter. <laughs> can't just get to Don. <laughs> We're his people. Every <laughs> people email my people. <laughs> I'm going to close this out by quoting Todd Douglas Jr. of DVDTalk.com. I don't usually like quoting other people when I give reviews, but he said this way better than I ever could. He says, the Don's rank- right. End <laughs> <laughs> <And> quote. <laughs> that is the best quote I've ever heard. I am going to quote you on that. He says, the range of emotions Clannad takes you through is quite daunting. It's charming, cute, hilarious, mysterious, and tragic all at the same time. Few shows are as memorable, and few are this good for this long. Aside from the DVD and Blu-ray releases you can find, you can also watch it online on theanimenetwork.com or hulu.com also has it. And so you were thoroughly impressed with this one or you enjoyed this one? It was very enjoyable. It, uh, it's well balanced and it, it, it does drama and comedy well. The characters all work well together. The sidekick is the very good sidekick. The romance between Tomoya and all the women is very well balanced. You know, right off the first two, three, maybe four apps is, is building and is introducing the characters and, you know, setting the scene. And then it's very much the rest of the 20 odd app. Well, 19 apps is, uh, resolving the, the, the crisis for each of the women as he decides, as he works his way through who, who is, who he's going to make, who he's going to choose. Yeah. That was really excellent. I should give you a fair warning though about after story. It will rip out your heart. Force feeding back to you and rip it out again. Well, F24 already did that with the, the alternate ending with Tomoya and, uh. Not even the same ballpark. Not even the same game. Wow. <laughs> now I'm intrigued. Yeah. Now I, uh. Seriously, I, I thought he was, I thought that was just <laughs> going to be a lead up to him stepping onto the tracks. That's what I thought that whole app was. I'm watching that going, fuckers, are you just, go- why are you doing this kind of alternate ending? Give me another happy ending, not just, cause I thought, cause the, the alternate ending is, you know, the, the first 23 apps, he's made his choice. He's, he's going with spoilers. Uh, but then little, the alternate, jeez. I know, see? And you wonder why every once in a while I get, you guys spoil too much. And then the alternate ending is if he had gone a different path. And then it's this whole, it's all very, like, it's dark. The, the music is dark what little and it's like autumn so everything is very much you know he's not going back to school he's he's taking a job he's happy with this job who knows doesn't think so and i'm watching this whole thing going he's just gonna step out onto the tracks and end it that's (laughs) (laughs) oh you don't know what's going on at some point when things calm down i might have to check that one out well it it (laughs) pleases me to hear that you're interested in watching it that's really my goal What we're watching. Don? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Take a breath. Almost human wrapped up for the season. It was uh eh, not a letdown app, but I was hoping well, I guess I was hoping for a cliffhanger, but given that the show's in limbo, I'm glad it wasn't. So I heard we haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But I heard Oh you it. haven't? No, but I heard it He dies, so I mean Sweet. Yeah. But I heard it wasn't it wasn't a cliffhanger. No, it I wasn't. It's that. all so very well contained. I, I actually like uh, I think it was Meow God who listens to like everything we do, including <laughs> the Almost podcast now. And he like, he let me know. He's like, oh, it, was, it wasn't a cliffhanger. I don't know if we're going to get a season two. You know, if you don't, don't know get if you a season two, keep going. if they don't do season two, there's still enough stuff. What the, f- the wall? <laughs> Why? 
like you brought up in the, the most recent app, you know, they've said that they, they've not hinted at what the geography is like, yep. but then they've got the cabin in the woods. But then they also mm-hmm. talk about in uh, two, three ups later, the wall and what part of the world now is walled off because yep. it's a big wall. They showed it. And they also have the uh, all city reference. Yes. And, and all the, yeah. So it's just, yeah. What is the wall? There are a lot of seeds left that if they, it's not going to be Firefly level of disappointment, but if they don't do a second season, I'll be irritated. I think regardless, we should do, if you're, you and Mike are up for it, at least one more after episode, just full season, season wrap up talk yeah. about. Uh, and of course we can get back together if we are lucky enough to get a season two and make sure we announce that too. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Power watched, uh, thanks to you, the entire first season of Defiance. And, uh, it was an excellent show. I mean, it's, it's Rockneus O'Bannon just all over it. And I mean, I loved Farscape and this is the, all the hallmarks of, of him and Farscape are, are right here. It's all very enjoyable. Even a lot of the, the old, the standard stuff that you're going to get in, in a sci-fi cop show. Hey, um, (laughs) it's relatively well done. No, no, I've moved on to Defiance there. It's Old West, <laughs> not not Future Cop. But anyways. It's not quite Buddy Cop. No, you nope. got no buddies. Nope. His buddy showed up and tried to kill him. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Season two is coming out. It's not a spoiler. <laughs> oh, there's, that, there's that quote. That's when I always get in trouble. When you pull that quote out, we've spoiled something. <laughs> well, wait till I get to comics. that are oh, six okay. months old, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Justified is continuing to be excellent. This is head and shoulders above last season. Uh, the more I watch this season, the more I realize how badly last season sucked. I don't know. I didn't mind last season. I hated it. I didn't like it then and I'm starting you to You know hate why it more you now. like this season so much? Yeah, I know why. Canadian Mafia, that's why. Oh, well, that's Lords. part two. <laughs> Alicia Witt is why I like this season so much. The the polite Canadian drug lords. <laughs> well, <laughs> Seeing Will Sasso get shot in the hand and then in the head was, was enjoyable. <laughs> Arrow is continuing to be awesome. It came back from the break and it hadn't, hasn't missed a beat, you know, both the midseason and the Olympic breaks and just hasn't missed a beat. It just keeps going. That's another one we got to get caught up on. I'm, I think I'm one episode behind though. It's just, we had that little, little blip where we couldn't watch anything. But. Our DVR, I don't know if it was due to the Olympics or what, but our DVR missed an app for some reason. Mm-hmm. So we went to watch last week's and it was previously on Arrow. I hate this is, that. none of this is previous. <laughs> no, what the I, hell? <laughs> I hate that. Every once in a while we get that too. It's like, wait, what? Damn it. <laughs> on demand. Now I've got to go try. Well, that's it. CW doesn't do on, on demand. demand. Yeah. Like, Bastards. No, I got to go watch it from their crappy streaming site. <laughs> Hmm. But Ollie, what are we good? But Ollie, what, what, but, 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 but Ollie, we're going to get a decent streaming site. That's what we're going to do, CW. But I agree with you. Arrow is just an excellent arrow. As a counterpoint to Arrow, we've also been forcing our way through Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And not even the, the reveal of the Cree and Jamie Alexander being on this week is really. Can, Bill Paxton didn't do it for you. Uh, he is what he was supposed to be, Garrett, you know, just yeah. the hardcore shield agent to offset. Here, I have a feeling that we're done with it because when we move, Megan purposely got a new DVR. <laughs> and I think, I don't think it made it into her reschedule. Oh, I think I forgot that. <laughs> I was like, I, I at least wanted to finish out the season, but I, I think she's done. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to finish out the season just cause 
well, we didn't get a new DVR, so sadly the <laughs> season pass is still there. It's just, it's not getting better. Deathlock, it was... See, everybody it, is saying it is. I thought it was slightly better. I mean, not, not to the point of being slightly. good, but I thought it was, there's was more meat there than the first season. This is the first season. The first half of the <laughs> oh, season. Oh, gee, whatever. <laughs> well, th- there you go. It's, oh, whatever. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, um... See, but you saying that is different than what I've been constantly, like, what's constantly being drummed at me, which is, this is what it's supposed to have been all along. You got out too soon. I don't agree with that. No. I think they realize that this is what they need. They should have been. They're listening to the viewers now. We're not all losers. <laughs> yes. Thanks, which, Agent. Yeah, Wilson. which we never got to talk about. We were, we were all prepped to talk about and fired up for a while. And- but even if it had been this, get, sure, give the app a couple ups for the team to come together. Even if it had started off with Deathlock and the Cree, well, I think the blue dude. Oh, you haven't seen it yet, but I think the blue I don't, dude I is don't a Cree. Know if I will. So, um, you know, I, I think this is how they're trying to. I mean, Mar- Marvel in the comics is really pushing in humans this year, mm-hmm. so I think this is how they're going to push in humans. You know, started on TV. Well, obviously in the books, started in TV and move it into the movies because they found a blue dude. That, that's what Tahiti was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's his, they're using his body to regenerate everybody. So I think he's a Cree and Fox has the right to mutant. So I think they're, I think the what reason she's the artifact is because she's an inhuman and inhumans are just mutants not called mutants. <laughs> so I think this is their way. Also tying into the Guardians movie where there's going to be Cree or a Cree anyways. So I think this is their way of pushing in humans into Gen Pop uh without having to discuss 50, 60 odd years of lore behind the Cree, the Skrull and the Inhumans and blah, 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 blah. And as a concept, I mean, it works. You know, they renamed uh, the Skrull the Chitari for the Ultimates movie, uh, for the Avengers movie, the Ultimates. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're doing that. They're going to have Ronan in the in the Guardians movie. He's a Kree. So, I mean, they're doing things to grow their universe without having the X-Men crutch, which I think has been really good for them. Conceptually, it's working if this is how they're going. But too late. I mean, damn, the show is just bland. Yeah. When they did the episode where they're rescuing Coulson, I found myself far more interested in all the other S.H.I.E.L.D. agents running around trying to do stuff than these hacks that they call the main cast. Do they feel like S.H.I.E.L.D. agents at all to any of you guys? No. I wanted to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I wanted to see S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. See, that's that's where I get into a real problem with everybody that keeps throwing out the argument because I don't like her because people don't like it. Oh, you were, and we've talked about this several times on the podcast, but the whole, well, you just wanted superpowers and blah, blah, blah. And this wasn't never supposed to, I never wanted that. I never, I like, I'm all pumped for the Netflix deal, which is going to be street level heroes. Mm -hmm. I'm all for that, for what it is. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I was fine for, for what it was. And I wasn't expecting balls out superpowers and special effects. And one, I knew it was TV and regular TV. And, uh, two, it's, you know, I, shield is shield. I know what shield is. And I, you know, I expected more. I, I expected something different, but like I've said the whole time we've ever talked about this, what I expected was good story, good plot, good character development. What I wanted was wanted to care about the characters that you're showing me every week. I got none of that. I wanted the first two seasons of alias only 
without the prophecy? Yes. <laughs> you know, but I haven't got that. I've gotten, seriously, this is more CW than ABCD. This is. Um, and they don't feel like professionals. They just they a, don't. No. Fly by night. But then crew. they've got Agent Buff Dude who is there just like to be the example or, or to be the exception or, or not even, no, not even the exception, just to be the, the caricature of what a shield agent should be. He's all Mr. Bah! And every app is, this is not protocol, you know, and every app is, ah, but we're going to do it. Cause if they would stick to it and not use it just to throw it out there every once in a while. Yeah. Even he is just this total fly by night guy as well. Right. It's just, to it's me, they're all just so cardboard. They are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, does anybody really care about the artifact check? I have never cared about her, even with that announcement. I would have been more surprised and pleased if they had let her die. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And on that note, what else are you watching? (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) And going back to some of the stuff we've just talked about, I did go through the entire first season of Clannad and enjoyed it very much. Also watched the two discs of Tiger and Bunny. Very disappointed that that didn't carry on. You know, as we talked about, because there was a great hook right at the end. And apparently they they put out a couple kind of movies about it, but not. Uh, now the movies retell the story. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> but it's not expanding. So, well, screw you, Tiger and Bunny. <laughs> I, I All get, right, so that's off my list now. No, it's, no, it's very good. But if, if your biggest complaint is you want more, yeah, I, I think that's pretty good. Exactly. Damn you, Firefly. Watch the first ep of Chaos Head. Uh, this is another one of those random punctuation like Steins Gate. Mm-hmm. Apparently, from what Don said, this comes up, it's the same company, but it comes up before Steins Gate, uh, in, um, publication order. Uh, but it doesn't appear that they're related at all. I think in Steins Gate somewhere they mentioned the, the online handle of the guy who's the main character in Chaos Head. Okay. So it's like same universe, but they're not related. Okay. Same thing with Robot X Notes, which is coming out now. And this dude, uh, I've only watched the first step, but it pulled you right in. He's either a killer or he's being messed around by a killer. That's where I'm at so far. And then I watched Justice League War, the animated movie that came out last month. And uh, it was mediocre at best. It was... yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I got it and like had to pack it up to move it over here. <laughs> Can we just forward this to the new address and you guys will hold it for me? Um, it's, it's okay. It builds to something better than it is, but really the first half of the movie is kind of weak as the, you know, it's new 52. Just as this is the first, this is Justice League getting together. They're all individual heroes at this point. And, uh, um, a lot of characterizations were just for me wrong. Uh, there's some good dialogue, some good lines. Green Lantern puts a good burn on Batman, so that's always good. <laughs> but once they finally decide to get to the Apocalypse War and dealing with Darkseid, it, it, it improves. But the first half was pretty weak. And then uh, Sarah and I went to see Nonstop. We didn't run into you there. Nope. We weren't wearing the same thing. <laughs> we went to see Nonstop, the new uh, Liam Neeson on a plane movie. It was pretty good. Some good uh, choreography of basic jiu-jitsu in bathrooms. But it's kind of... Uh, uh, it was enjoyable. Juliana Moore's in it, so, you know, she always gets a thumbs up from me. And that's what I've been watching. Thumbs, I said, you perv. I saw you look. Again. <laughs> We're across from each other. This is why I like to come here to do this, just to see these expressions. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, you're missing so much. Google, Google Hangout. <laughs> we keep we keep threatening. All one of you. Don, what do you got? Well, some anime series. Shock and what? surprise. Uh, watched the most recent Funimation releases of Fairy Tale, 
That's T-A-I-L for those who tend to spell things correctly. The uh, crew goes to an alternate world where you see alternate versions, kind of all opposite versions of themselves, which not just one Lucy Hartfelia, but two Lucy Hartfelias. That means four good reasons to watch a show. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's uh, That's not, not that kind of show. Uh, there's lots of good reasons to watch Fairy Tale. It's a shown in action series along the same lines as like One Piece, where it's combines its, its comedy and goofiness with its serious dramatic fights quite well. And this latest one with the alternate world actually turned out to be my favorite arc so far, easily. It was a whole lot of fun. Now, do they denote evil by having goatees in this alternate world? That would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they actually did alternate world versions really well in this show. They understood that to be opposites, two things have to actually be very similar. Like the opposite of ceiling isn't rose petal. And the alternate characters were, in most cases, very similar, but like one facet of them was completely opposite. So it was fascinating watching them interact with each other, and sometimes just hilarious. Uh, I also watched the fairy tale movie Phoenix Princess, also very enjoyable. Oh, well, fairy tale, by the way, is about a Mage Guild, a rather rambunctious and often trouble-causing Mage Guild that goes out, solves world problems by beating up bad guys. It's fun. Online. Sounds better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm already invested in the characters. <laughs> They're rambunctious. Nobody has ever been described as that on, on Agents, Agents of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> uh, on Crunchyroll, I watched Gifu Dodo, which is... Originally a manga series by the creator of Fist of the North Star, classic stuff. This one made back in the 90s. Oh, and the juice. No, oh, that was me. laughing because it's so good. I'm going to punch you so hard you explode. That's yeah, your awesome. Head up, yep. yeah. But but steer clear of the live action. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gifu Dodo was a mid-90s manga series that has had numerous spinoffs throughout the year. This was based on one of those spinoffs. It's about very manly men doing manly poetic things during the Sengoku or Warring States period in Japan. And centered around some of the more colorful characters from that time frame. Just kind of living out that era. And it's very manly. Uh, is so it manly though? It, it, it's, it's manly. <laughs> I liked it. It was, it was engaging at least. Is Gave me something to aspire to. I can't be that poetically manly. <laughs> <laughs> I can't spout some cool poetry while killing a guy. It's just, I'm not that cool. <laughs> Then on Anime Souls, their most recent failure to crowdfund, <laughs> Hurricane Polymar, which is, I believe, a 1970s uh, superhero show about a guy who transforms into a superhero and beats up a whole lot of bad guys. The most memorable thing I thought about it when watching it was seeing this superhero just beating guys to to defeat them, just pounding and pounding and pounding on them, just you know, smashing their head into the ground repeatedly until they stop moving. I'm thinking to myself, you know, back then, we're still dealing with the comics code problems and stuff. You know, we have, like, Space Ghost on TV. And here, they got these superheroes just beating these guys senseless. Then, recent release by Funimation, Jormungand, which, yes, is the name of the Midgard Serpent in Norse mythology. But the show has nothing to do with Nor Norse mythology. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Random trivia from Don. <laughs> It's about a weapons dealer in the modern day world, traveling around the world, selling weapons to all sorts of colorful people. Better and than Thor 2. I'm just going to let that one go. <laughs> she's a very eccentric weapons dealer, and she's got her crew of uh, bodyguards, which are a lot of badasses. 
What I liked most about the show was this crew. They're kind of laid back because it's not really a military group, but there are a lot of mercenaries that used to be special forces and such things. So when it comes to actually fighting stuff, they are very professional, very good at what they do. Another interesting thing about the show is how well-researched it is in terms of the weaponry used, the military vehicles, the guns. Like a gun enthusiast will just go nuts watching it. Every little thing that they show on there is some very specific gun or from certain countries or whatever. So for people like that, it's a, it's really good. But I, I found it pretty enjoyable anyway, how it kind of stayed in the line between black and white, between good and evil. How this main character never really falls to one side or the other. Except the ending, which, depending on your interpretation, which I'm not sure what I feel about the ending. It's bold, and I'm not sure. Then I watched the second half of, half of Blast of Tempest, which is a uh, very interesting anime series that has modern-day world about two young men, two high school boys, who end up getting wrapped up in a war between mages. Now, it's a modern world. There aren't really supposed to be mages, but there are some hiding around. There's a group of them trying to resurrect the Tree of Exodus, which is supposed to destroy the world. And these boys get allied with the one mage chick who's trying to stop them. And they get some magic powers so they can fight against the mages. Now I'm watching and thinking, okay, I got it. It's going to be an action show. Totally wrong. The conflict is all resolved through logic and debate and reason, which gets really complicated and involved when you start messing with magic and time travel and other such things. That's really what it's about. And this whole battle between the mages could come down, come down to these wild cards. One of them being a boy whose only interest is getting revenge for his sister who died a year ago. He doesn't care about what's going to happen to the world or anything. And the other character is also doesn't seem interesting at first, but he's actually even more interesting as the show progresses. The second half is also really, uh, really good. I liked it almost as much as the first half. And it came to a very interesting conclusion. I like the show quite a bit in general. The name Tempest comes from Shakespeare. And they quote quite often in the show between uh, Hamlet and Tempest. And it's a question of whether this revenge story is going to go one way or the other. Then on the comedy side, I watched Chronicles of the Going Home Club. The name itself is actually kind of a joke. Uh, clubs are a very big deal when it comes to Japanese middle school and high schools. Pretty much everyone's in a club. And those that don't get into a club are sometimes referred to as those in the going home club. Well, this girl wants to join the going home club, what she thinks it is, and ends up getting dragged into a room, which is really the going home club. That's what they're called. This goes along the uh, genre of shows I've seen quite a bit lately of just a bunch of cute girls just hanging out and being silly and almost all focused around one single room. It's almost like a one-act play sort of feeling of it all just taking place within the club room almost entirely. This one, you could fairly call a parody, given its level of self-awareness and its purposefully stereotypicalness. It was kind of silly and fun, but it's going to be ultimately forgettable, I'm pretty sure. I'm not going to remember much about it in three months. We'll ask you. Make a note. When I was looking at my list, I'm like, wait, what was that one again? Oh, yeah, now I remember. (laughs) (laughs) It was enjoyable, but it's just not going to last with me. I started watching Princess Knight, which was just released by Nozomi Entertainment. It's an original Osamu Tezuka, who's the father of manga and anime. It was one of his shows from back in the 50s, I believe, that really launched the whole girl dressing as a guy being a hero story or genre, which is 
quite popular still, and there's some really good stuff in it. It was kind of the uh, prototype for that. I just started watching it. It's very old. We'll see where it goes. On Funimation.com, I watched Hyperdimension Neptunia, which is based on a video game, which is the whole video game concept is about the console wars. There's a country that's the Nintendo country. There's the PlayStation country. There's the the uh, Xbox country. And for some reason, the Sega country, <laughs> which the main character is actually based on the three uh, 32X for some reason. Is there anybody over 12 in the Nintendo country? <laughs> <laughs> actually, the Nintendo country were actually very young in general. There's lots of like kind of like um, hidden things in it, especially to deal with the character designs and stuff like the uh, Xbox lady. Was it was very booksome, which in Japan the Xbox is known for being very big and bulky, so like little things like that, which I was really hoping to see a lot of in the show, but I didn't get to. I suspect the game, and the game series actually had a lot to do with inside jokes and stuff about the console wars, but the show just kind of takes place I think after the games where they've all made peace and they're all just kind of hanging out and having fun. I think their only purpose with the show is just to be silly with the characters and not actually be any sort of biting commentary on the console wars of any sort. So they had very little of what I was hoping for of the little tidbits I, I would notice. I still had fun just keep looking up, oh, who's this character based on? Oh, neat, you know. But in, in general, it was a letdown. I started watching a series called Kaiji on Crunchyroll, which is one from a few years ago that they picked up for their back catalog. It's about a kind of a loser guy who can't get a job, who ends up getting in real trouble with loan sharks, and getting put on a gambling boat with a chance to get rid of his debt. And it turns out to be a quite serious life or death sort of situation where, yeah, maybe he could come out on top or maybe he could be basically dead. It had some of the most intense round of rock, paper, scissors I've ever seen. <laughs> no, that, no, 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 that cannot be true. No, there's nothing about rock, paper, scissors says intensity. The thing Apparently is, you missed our review. <laughs> we put into detail about rock, paper, scissors. Uh, the, the trick was it's not actually about the game of rock, paper, scissors, but all the rules surrounding the whole situation that they're in and how to manipulate the whole situation so that they come out on top. Okay. It's, it's very complex and involved, much more so than I would have expected. They didn't them. add in Lizard Spock. It's not that complicated. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen now the, that first arc and then the second arc the first 14 or so episodes, it's at least very engaging. The character designs are incredibly ugly. The show itself doesn't look very pretty, but, well, that's some intense rock, paper, scissors, I tell you. <laughs> Say that. <laughs> I, you almost have to see it to believe it. I would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you are correct, sir. <laughs> the best thing I watched recently was the show called Kamisama Kiss, just released by Funimation. It was directed by a favorite director of mine, Akitaro Daichi, who did Fruits Basket, as well as some other shows. It's about a young girl whose father with great debt just runs out, and she's thrown out on the street without a home. It's not really a depress depressing show, says the... Put on a there. boat. <laughs> <laughs> Work it off, little girl. Work it off. <laughs> or she runs into just a man who's kind of in trouble, helps him out, and he says, here, you can go live at my place. I'm not staying there anymore. Go have fun. When she goes, creeper. it's kind of creepy, right? And, she, and he kisses her on the Back forehead, to too. Geek news. <laughs> Kiss her on the forehead, gives her a little map. When she gets there, it's an old rundown temple, old rundown shrine, where she suddenly meets some ghosts. 
and other spirits. It turns out that that guy was a god of the land, a local god. And he just passed off his power and his responsibilities to her. Dick. <laughs> kind of a dick move, yeah. <laughs> I mean, giving her a house, but I mean, still. So she, it's a lot, a lot of upkeep in a temple, man. That's a, <laughs> there is a lot of upkeep. Plus all the god duties you gotta do between having to do school and our god duties and then being chased down by monsters. She didn't even get out of school. No. She's being hunted by monsters. So it's, it's a lot of trouble. Uh, the core of the show is her relationship with the familiar that she inherits, a very good-looking fox spirit guy. And it's kind of their growing, budding relationship throughout the show. And what does the fox say? <laughs> <laughs> fox says, shut up, Jeff! <laughs> I, I, I just didn't... I'm not prepared for that one. <laughs> uh, nobody was. Nobody was. Daichi's directing style is wonderful. He has a way of endearing the character to you before you even realize it happens. So I really enjoyed it. What was it 12 or 13 episode series? A lot of fun. I got the very expensive Goddess Edition box set with a lot of extra cool stuff in it. But that's it for me. Some of the same stuff that Jordan was talking about. Of course, I'm watching Almost Human. It's kind of a requirement at this point. <laughs> Although I'm a little behind, but we are uh, still playing catch up on the podcast as well. So, Walking Dead. Been watching The Walking Dead. Pretty blank stare over there. Not enjoying it. Uh, the last two eps have been very good compared to the rest of the season. I've been enjoying it. It's nice to see Ab- Abraham in those guys. But I am like You're an ep- episode or two behind. Yeah, at least one. Two behind. eps if they're still talking. No, Abraham. one. One. I'm one episode behind. Yeah, we didn't get to see this last Sunday, which we're still trying to figure out when we're going to see it. The following, you never, you don't watch that, but we've been watching that. I will say this second season though, it's getting to the, it's getting ridiculous <laughs> to me. Uh, I'm at a point where like this has to be the last season because what the hell are they going to do in season three? <laughs> See friends ten years later. <laughs> True Detective, check that out. Watched the first app, didn't grab me much, but yeah. I've heard it takes a very Cthulhu bent, so I'm kind of yeah. And it's to me, it's it's a very slow burn show, but it's slow burn done right. So I've really been enjoying that one and uh, McConaughey and. And uh, Harrelson are pretty good together, mm-hmm. and uh, and it does that whole. But I, I, that I even think it does well. But it does the you know the flip back and forth because they're getting interviewed present day, and they keep going back to what happened because they're talking about the case that they worked and stuff. I think it does a pretty good job. But yeah, it's a slow burn for sure. It's not like an a- action cop show by any means. And of course, Justified. We talked about that earlier, but I agree. It's uh, been a great season. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot. Watch Sherlock. So that's, I think that's finished right through this. Is that finished up now? I don't well, it's only three apps each season. So. Yeah. I think, I think the third one, I think I did. Cause it's been a while since we've talked TV show. That was one. And Best Ink just finished up and Ink Master just started transitioning to those two. So watching my, uh, tattoo competition shows still. Plane. I've waited years to say that. Yeah, yeah. Could have waited a few more. Nope. <laughs> Had to come out. What we're reading slash listening to. See, I've been checking out a few things. Invincible. I'm still kind of uh, checking out off and on. It's on my list to go back to, like, 
when I'm waiting for stuff, I might pick up a few extras, but I'm not like grabbing it on a consistent basis. So I'll grab like an arc at a time and when I'm waiting for something else to come along. But some of the stuff that I am reading on a fairly consistent basis, uh, Todd, the ugliest kid on earth, still reading that one. Actually at a point where I'm waiting for an issue to come out. Absolutely love that comic. I can't say enough good things about that one. Still reading Sex Criminals. Don, back to you. <laughs> Bringing it home. How did that come back to me? Because <laughs> you were featured prompt. No. <laughs> That's still a good one. I, uh, I think, I don't know if five's out yet. I don't think five's out yet. I just read four. No, five I think is, might be out now, but I'm up to, I read four. And it's an interesting take on stopping time and that whole deal. It's, it's kind of an interesting deal. You and I talked about this a little bit, and this is the one that I'm having problems with comicsology on, the sex. I think I've read issues one through five, or one through four, and I still don't know if I like it. <laughs> so I was trying to just kind of keep going, and this is the one where you and I talked about it. I was like, it, it's annoying the hell out of me that they like do the color highlights on just random words, and I keep trying to make sense of why that's happening. And they're different colors. Like, you know, in one sentence, one might be blue. Take and off your cryptography hat. They, they don't mean it. I know. And I, the, <laughs> at one point, it, it was actually like, ooh, these three orange words almost make a sentence. Maybe if I keep going. It's like, nope, nope, nope. That ain't it. They're just doing it to annoy me. <laughs> you specifically. I know. So I haven't made a decision on that one yet. So I'm going to keep reading it until I decide one way or the other, I guess. Or they stop dropping the price. <laughs> Preacher, I did finish book four, so I got that for you upstairs. And I'm on to book five, still enjoying that one quite a bit. I did enjoy the yeah, the history of uh, killers or saints, saints, saints killers, killers yeah. and all that stuff. That was a good read. And our space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you and I talked about this one a little bit, too, and I know you've talked about it in the past, but Rat Queens went mm. to my must-read. That is excellent. It is an awesome comic, so that is one I am. Who I, told you that? <laughs> Gary. Gary. Shut, Shut up, up, Gary. Gary. I love that. I love the just random calling out of a guard on the wall. <laughs> Shut up, Gary. Somebody call for the four Daves. <laughs> so Rat Queens, yeah, that I, they had like a leading ladies sale, leading ladies of image sale and Rat Queens was one of them. And so I picked up uh, all the ones they had on sale and instantly fell in love with that comic. So definitely a, a good read. Uh, I think, uh, that one's up to like number five or something now too. I'm one behind on it. Yeah, I think I am too. Cause the, the monsters are at the gate yep. and that's where it, that's it's where, ended. Yep. yep. Epic kill is what I'm actually reading right now. It's a little mini series and that was one that was, it was not part of the leading ladies. It's actually one that I had read the, uh, the first one cause it I think it was free at that time. And I didn't know how I felt about it. And I, oh, I, I didn't know how I felt about it. And then I think it did become part of the leading ladies because it's on, I think it's an image title. So I picked up the whole series and I'm a little over half done with it. Not sure what I think yet. Not thinking it's epic. And I'm, I'm not sure. It's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's this, it's this teenage girl that, uh, her parents and I think, I don't know if it's her sister, but maybe like a friend of hers or something, they get killed and her, I think uncle trains her to, to kind of seek revenge for when she, and then when she turns like 18, she gets the choice. You can either live a normal life or 
I can tell you who did this to your parents and you can go after them. And so it's, she's just like this assassin that is just going nuts. And she's got, she's, she's got a, you know, a, a single focus. Everybody else may be innocent, but if they get in my way, they are no longer innocent. So she'll kill anybody that tries to stop her. And of course, uh, the person she's has to kill is part of the government in America. So they've got, you know, security and FBI and SWAT and everything else. So it's kind of interesting. But at the same time, there's, they, they take some weird dips and turns at, at sometimes. So I'm just, I want to see how it wraps up and then I'll kind of digest the whole thing as a whole. That might be 10 issues total. So I think I'm on like six or seven right now. The bounce I checked out the first issue of, I haven't decided, I haven't decided one way or the other. It, it kind of got through it and was like, I might need to check out a couple more to make any kind of a decision on that one either. Have you ever checked that one out? The guy's basically like rubber. <laughs> I mean, he's like a big rubber ball and he bounces around, but he's like a slacker hero. So like when he's not saving the day, he's getting high and is with his roommate and stuff like that. And it was okay, but I just could, can't make, I can't make a decision yet. So I might check out a couple more issues of that before I, I decide yay or nay on that one. Planetary. Have you ever read that? What do you think of that? It's good. It first issue didn't do much for me. No, it gets better. It's and that's what I need to get over because I read issue one and now I'm like I don't know if I care to go to issue two. So I wanted to ask you about it. Yeah, it it hooked me right away. But he's one of my favorite writers. I'd say give it a shot if you know if you can get them if they do another ninety nine cent sale. I don't know what they've got them down to right now, but if, if they put them on sale, I think it's totally worthwhile. Yeah. I might give it a shot. Like I said, the first one just didn't quite grab me to the point where I had to pick up the next issue right away. And it's actually been a while. It's been sitting out there for a while since I've read it. But I wanted to talk to you about it. And, of course, you and I talked about this a little bit, too. But I read Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Was not a fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know uh, you really enjoyed it. But I got through I think, and I it was through issue 11 is, I think, what I got. And uh, I just didn't care for it. It actually annoyed me. <laughs> almost every issue I got to the point where I was like shut up <laughs> like page one <laughs> so, but damn it I paid money for it I'm going to read well, it well I read through it and I thought well it's got to get better because you know Jordan talks highly of it it's like no Jordan doesn't know what he's talking about so. <laughs> no I just you know I I don't know and you had asked me you're like what was it the art the story and it was like all of it I I the art was okay, but I didn't quite care for it. And I, like I told you, I got really tired of page one. Okay, this looks bad. That just that just started to annoy me because that's the opening of every one of the comics. And I, yeah, I just had a hard time getting into it. So I will not be revisiting Hawkeye. I don't think. And then, of course, and actually, like before we recorded, I finally got through it. But uh, we're alive. Chapter forty-three. Did you listen to all of forty-three? Not yet. All right. I won't say much about it, but yeah, I got, I finished chapter 43 a little bit before I pulled in today. So, uh, I am through it and, uh, now I gotta wait. Yeah, I only like, turned, what, turned four on or five it. more weeks now. I only turned on iTunes today, so it updated. And I was, oh crap, I forgot. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And it's at that, it, it, it. Got to finally, you know, meet his fate. No. Damn. I'm trying to think. Does he so. still have balls? <laughs> Well, I'm trying to think. I think, I think, uh, I don't, I don't think Datu actually cries in this one. He, wow. he does, he does get time. He gets FaceTime in this one, but he doesn't, I don't think he actually goes into tears. <laughs> so, uh, 
This that was a first. So yeah, he did he did grow a little bit of a pair, I guess. <laughs> but no, it's it's good. It's uh it, it started it started us question uh with some more questions. So it's like you guys can't end soon. I mean, <laughs> this has got to go at least to you know forty nine or maybe you know beyond the forties. So we'll see what they do. You've lied, and you're doing another season, <laughs> <laughs> or it's time, or it's time for the spinoff, which. No, they say they're working. Was that? They say they're working on something else. Yeah. Which this chapter potentially could potentially set that up. So I'll leave it at that. That's uh, what I have. Oh, um, maybe for next episode or something. I've been getting a lot of questions lately, just like, what podcast do you listen to? So I thought maybe we could do, you know, we usually talk about something like We're Alive or something like that. Every once in a while we'll mention another podcast, but maybe bring like three or four podcasts we each listen to uh, for the next segment. Sure. All I've been reading lately is educational stuff, reading up in programming languages, Java, Python. <laughs> so no, nothing. So like 40 yeah. hours of personal enrichment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or preparing for what's to come eventually. All right. Yeah. Who in here has ever done that for actual fun? Really? You've never been into coding? As a yeah, hobby? sadly I did, but. <laughs> then I got a job, and yeah. it's, it's actually a little bit for fun. Yeah. So, like, you know, coding for work is one thing; coding for something I want to code for is a whole different ball. Well, you see, now I'm taking my forty hours. Well, one of them is going to be Rex because that's actually job related. But then I'm, Rex. <laughs> and I'm looking at that, going, "Well, they say it doesn't have to be absolutely job related. So, what, what can I take away?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, I use Rex like daily. I should. I always yeah. pawn that off onto somebody else because it's not a skill I've ever wanted to grow. But the list of people I can pawn shit off on gets smaller every quarter. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing, though. That, that's how I feel because Rex is one of the main languages we use. So I'm like, I can never work anywhere else. Oh, no. <laughs> because you have outdated skills. You can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for- <laughs> exactly. That's my problem. I have outdated skills. <laughs> a lot more updated than what I'm working with. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, put away the punch card reader. <laughs> Almost <laughs> that bad. <laughs> All right, Jordan. Have you got? still got the green screen? <laughs> yes. All righty. On the listening side, I f- uh, finished Abaddon's Gate, or as the reader kept calling it, Abaddon. So <laughs> I've never heard it pronounced that way until the reader wrote the read the title. Uh, anyways, that's the last book in James Corby's. Oh, he, he wrote it while reading it? No, the reader, not the writer. Oh, I know. You missed it. Uh, apparently, I did. It's the last book in his Expanse trilogy, and uh, yeah, it's very, very good. It's an excellent wrap-up. They le- uh, Apparently, James S.A. Corey is two people. I didn't realize that until I went to the Amazon page to find out if there was a fourth book, and go visit the author's page. Okay, and James S.A. Corey is a conglomeration. Well, I guess technically it's a collaboration, but it's multiple people. They kind of left their universe open that they could do more in the universe if they wanted, but this particular story ends and ends very well. All the characters have good endings. The story itself, the conflict is a good ending. It's a very good, uh, very good wrap up to what I've said consistently is an excellent series. So James, I say Corey, the expanse go people read it or listen to it. I was a couple of years behind on my David Silva, Daniel Silva books. He writes, um, a series of books about a former or he's former now, but it starts off. He's a, Israeli spy. He doesn't come out and say it. He says he works for the office, 
but it's essentially Mossad. He's essentially a Mossad agent, but they don't outright say it. And this has been an interesting character because he's, it's not spying the prime. It's, it's, he starts out, you know, he's in his, you know, maybe thirties. He's, you know, physically, you know, on the downward trend of being a man. And he's been working in the, in the industry for a while. So he has a history and he has things behind him, but his cover is, or his skill set, one of his skill sets is, uh, he's an art restorer. So a lot of the stuff he does is in the art world. And of course, being Israeli, much of it harkens back to, you know, the Holocaust and the Nazis taking Jewish art and antiquities and stuff like that. So there's, he, he does a good job of mixing real facts and real history in with the fiction that he's writing about this Israeli spy working to defend the, the country of Israel and, you know, avenge the wrongs of the Holocaust and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's not at all. It, it's subtly political, but not in a slap you in the face with it. It's just he does a good job of writing world events and to be the background of, of his character's story. It's really good stuff. He's, uh, like 12 or 13 books. It's the stuff that I got into because Sarah and I would listen to it when we went on, you know, long car trips. Each story is around 12, 13 hours. And we haven't done that for a couple of years, so I'm behind on my... She listens to it more consistently than I do, uh, whereas I fell off that uh, wagon because we weren't doing any long car trips. So I figured, okay, I will just get back on that way. Then I listened to Influx by Daniel Suarez. And this was a really, really, really good book. There's some very good hard science in here and some very good extrapolation of hard science. It's about a dude... He's a scientist and he makes a gravity mirror. He hasn't perfected it, but he discovers a ma- way of reflecting gravity at a point such that it seems he's making anti-gravity. And then this federal agency called the Bureau of Technology Control comes in and says, nope, you can't do that. That is too dangerous. We can't let that out into the public. And as the book progresses very quickly over the course of two chapters, you realize that the dude that runs the BTC is crazy. Uh, and the BTC is the villain. And it's about this scientist. He's imprisoned and tortured, manages, decides that he's got to be the one to bring down the BTC. And then the civilian governments of the world, well, the civilian and military governments of the world, um, kind of realizing that the BTC has done their job so well that they have technologically outstripped the rest of the world that they cannot make anything more than token gestures of, uh, uh, you know, of anger, you know, you're, you've exceeded your mandate. Well, I will use anti-gravity to send the White House into space if you try to, you know, attack me, that kind of thing. But it, it, it's really good. If you liked Michael Crichton, you'll like this because it's not a textbook. It's actually interesting reading as opposed to Crichton just slapping you in the face with concept. I mean, some of his books I've read and I like. So if you like Michael Crichton, I'm going to tell better. you why you shouldn't. <laughs> no, th- this is everything that Crichton is, only actually enjoyable. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, not at all. <laughs> I think I summarized that pretty well. <laughs> I, Crichton wasn't bad. He's just dry. I mean, and not good. No, I just said he's not bad. He's just dry. This has character that is not dry. This is the technology is part of the story, not the story. I'm sorry. Timeline was a much better movie than book. And that doesn't say much. But, you know, 
his his stuff translates better to the screen because it takes away all the dryness and adds actual character to the characters. So, and currently I'm listening to, I wanted a break from everything, so I picked up a Star Wars audiobook, Empire and Rebellion, like, super long title. Star Wars, Empire and Rebellion, Razor's Edge. And this is set between A New Hope and uh, Empire Strikes Back. Leia is off trying to get the components and the funding and the gear to make Echo Base on Hoth. So that is the setting and that is the point. And then uh, that's pretty much where I'm up to. She's discovered that uh, she's out in the mid-rim. She's not quite on the outer rim. Uh, and she's dealing with pirates, and she's discovered that one of the pirates, uh, are, some of the pirates are from Alderaan, which she's, of course, taking personal offense to. Uh, it's kind of where I'm up to. It's, it's another one of those audio, uh, it's done more like an audio drama, so the reader is reading it, and they throw in sound effects and stuff like that, so it's, uh, I can still read some of the old, like, the original character Star Wars stuff. I, I can't read the new stuff. It's just, blah, to me. But some of the old stuff I can still, or the old characters I can still read. Uh, on the actual book side, I finished Blackout, the, uh, the final book in the Newsflesh trilogy. I told you about this one on and off as I've read them. It's the, the bloggers that, uh, in the world where the zombie apocalypse happened, but, you know, science and, you know, rational thought won. <laughs> so, you know, but this one was, uh, uh, the, the final, the final, uh, installment and about, uh, you know, the, the, she was leading up to maybe the, the zombie apocalypse had been deliberate and it was a weaponization, or at least that's where I thought it was going and it had been a weaponization and not an accident. She took it to a different spot than I, uh, kind of the same different route to where I thought she was going. It was really a, a good end. Myra Grant, she wrote this series, Newsflesh. Uh, I recommend it. I think it's really solid stuff. And then since the TV show is coming, I started The Strain by Guillermo del Toro. It's a vampire book. It's relatively bland, but I had time to kill before Words of Radiance came out, so I was reading it. And then Words of Radiance came out, so I stopped reading it. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, Words of Radiance, the second book in the Stormlight Archive by uh, Brandon Sanderson. I'm a couple hundred pages into it. It's like 1,100 pages, so EA Kindle. I don't feel like carrying around the Bible with me every time I go to the bathroom. It's an excellent start. It takes off pretty much where the last book ended, uh, and he's uh, grouping characters together much uh, much as he did in the last book, and it's very enjoyable so far. He's done a very good job of giving you a refresher rather than just dropping, like, 100 pages of, oh, and this is the history. He's get, done a good job of, uh, of writing the refresher into the advancements of the character, so... That's, uh, it's going well so far. On the comic side, I read the first arc of Legion Lost, and I understand now why it was canceled. It was sad. I hate to see the Legion dumped on like this, but DC, Legion of Superheroes, one of my favorite teams, and it was just bad. Just bad. Probably not gonna read any more of it. I picked up Earth 2 because I heard a lot of interesting stories are happening in Earth 2 because of course it's an alternate Earth so they can be dickish with their characters and do things that are not necessarily, uh, kosher in the Earth Prime right now. So, and it, it's enjoyable. It's many of the JSA characters because of course it's Earth 2. It's modernized though because of course the new continuity is only five years old. So you're meeting some of the, some of the JSA type characters with a modern twist and stuff like that. I mean, it's okay. I'm going to keep going with it. It's, uh, well, this is the one that I railed against back when they announced that Alan Scott was going to be gay. 
uh, which I didn't have a problem with, but they just used him. They made him gay for the sake of being gay so they could kill his lover in the next issue. As just a really bad plot point. It's not been addressed since, you know, so uh, maybe it is because I'm only up to issue like four or five and it's like into the 20s now. So maybe it's readdressed, but back I, from what I understand, it's not. So it was just, you know, again, DC dicking with diversity. As you mentioned, uh, Rat Queens, uh, very enjoyable. I mean, that's, that's just great. I think that's my favorite title right now. I hope this, uh, writing team stays together and I hope they have a fairly good run. I mean, this is like Pathfinder, but yeah, that's what I was saying. The gaming group as opposed to the Pathfinder group, right. you know, and consistently better art. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this is, this is all the conversation that happens at the table, whereas the Pathfinder comic is, what you think is going on in your head. <laughs> and then uh, some of the Forever Evil related stuff. Forever Evil, Forever Evil 6 came out last week. And this is, it was an excellent book. It was real, you know, they had, they broke, they broke the flow because like three came out at the beginning of November and then four came out at the beginning of, at the end of December. So there's literally a two month break between the books. And that really killed the flow. And four was not the best of the series. I mean, it was good happenings, but five was, they tried to bring it back because there wasn't two months with, you know, between them. And then six came right back and, uh, there was a couple revelations. There was <laughs> some good combat and the, a scene that led to me wishing for a hero click that I will never, I know will never happen, but it would make such an excellent dual base hero click. And then a couple of the related titles, the Arkham War, and uh, Rogue's Rebellion are going on. Both are continuing to be very enjoyable. Arkham War had a really interesting scene. I, it leads you to wonder how stupid the people of Gotham are. Because at one point, the artist, you know, has Bane kind of panning around the city. And it says, and here's Wayne Tower. And the top of Wayne Tower is just the bat cowl. It's got comes to points. <laughs> <laughs> how stupid are the people of Gotham that they can't figure this out? But Bane has this little inner dialogue that, you know, Batman's gone. And Batman is is, is what the people of the city respect and, and the, the criminals of the city fear. So he puts together this Bane-sized bat armor. And, you know, he's running around as Batbane. And it was... It's, it's in the flow of the comic, it's not nearly as dumb as it sounds. <laughs> but yeah, and then Rogues is um is going along. I, I think I'm liking that a little bit more than Arkham War. But the Rogues are still somewhat divided because Cold is is gone, and and they're just trying to get themselves back together and get themselves safe and uh, and stay stay away from the CSA and you know all their minions radar. It's good. And then uh, I picked up this series called First Four or Five called uh, uber and it's an alt world war ii book as always the germans have developed the crazy technology necro no no no, no not this time superman they really are doing the ubermensch and you know they've got these different tiered of powered people that do various things it starts off right at the end of what would have been the end of the second uh the east uh the european Theater for the Second World War it literally starts off the first issue. Hitler is about to kill himself, but then the scientist comes in and says, no, no, we have perfected it, and here we can make the comeback. Well, they can't because not enough tools, you know, even superpowered though they are. It's just at that time there was no comeback ever, you know, and the mandatory spy is in there now, so where I'm up to, 
uh, the spy is taking the technology to the allies. The allies haven't started to institute their program. So I was kind of a bit worried because it's Avatar Press and they're pretty fast and loose on their art and some, a lot of good gore in here. Uh, but I was kind of worried that this was going to be like, you know, Fourth Reich, yay, kind of thing, you know, because it was all very <laughs> Nazi centric and, and, uh, you know, Hitler's still alive. So, and he's, he is a character in the book and he is talking about his plans to, push back the Russians on the Eastern Front and push back the Allied forces on, you know, up in Northern Europe and Western Europe and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, we better have something else going on here. I am going to have to put this book down. <laughs> Probably already been added to a list somewhere, George. Well, we already knew that. Yeah, but. I'm on too many lists to count. Well, luckily it did go somewhere else. The spies bringing the technology to the, uh, to the Allies. So, okay, I'm happy. No, it's pretty good. The art's good. And like I said, it's Avatar. They generally have uh, very good uh, gore in their books. They're not afraid to to show you what really happens when a guy, you know, sends a rocket to blow up a tank. Uh, and they show it quite graphically all over the place. Uh, there's some bit parts, some bit characters that might grow or maybe they're just they've just been used to show the. You know, the patheticness of what, you know, the Reich was at that point. And then the Russians haven't played a big part other than getting mowed down by the Germans. Um, so I'm not really sure where it's going to go. Obviously, it's going to become a superpowered clash. Uh, I'm just not sure how they're going to get there. It's, it's interesting, and I'm liking it. Uber from Avatar Press. You know, while you're talking about the, the Batman Bane thing, that reminded me of one of the things I wanted to talk about, about the sex comic. But since I focus more on not knowing if I want to keep reading it or not, and the fact that I can't get the issues <laughs> to figure out if I want to keep reading it. One of the things that's kind of interesting about it, I mean, it is a mature and an adult comic, hence the name they gave it, but it, it very much is... Sex with My Little Ponies. Yeah. No, 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 no. Now I am done. <laughs> it very much is, though, uh, to me, and one of the things that makes me wonder if I want to keep going with it is what if... Batman quit on Gotham. Hmm. I mean, it, it's that world's Batman basically because he's he's got the money, he's got the gadgets and all that stuff. But I mean, we come in, we don't see any of that. We come in, it's just like he's coming back to the city for the first time. He had made a promise to somebody that he would give it all up. That I think on their deathbed, and so it's looking at what happened to the city that he used to work so hard to clean up, and him struggling to keep his promise, and then the various players that, you know, he used to interact with and what they are, what they do, what they control now and all that stuff. So it's interesting from that aspect. Uh, it's just, I'm not sure if it's enough to completely pull me in, but I want to keep going until I make that, that decision. But it very much has that feel to me. What if Batman just said, you know, or somebody made Batman say it's time to stop and nobody came in to fill that place. So that's it's kind of interesting on that aspect. What we're playing, Don? What do you got? Haven't done a lot of board games lately, unfortunately. Played a game of Red November, which is the Gnomes in a Sinking Sub game. I've played that in a while. It's kind of cute, kind of fun. I don't mind that one. Some people scoff at it, and I know they re reboxed it for a bigger box, which I didn't mind it in the small. Oh, box. I, I played the new. The new version. It's, you know, everything's going wrong. Try to survive. Yeah. Kind of fun. On the video game side, I'm playing Skyrim again. 
Different you discovered character. you had hours in your life that you just want to grind away on. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't so know yeah. what I did. It just let happened. me put a vendor on my porch. <laughs> Perfect replacement for Ultima Online. I did the whole build your house thing this time. Yeah, that was pretty fun. Playing a different character, going different quests, it kind of feels like a different game. It's pretty fun. I actually, I talked about that at one point, right? I went back and started playing it for a while, but I just like was in the middle of nowhere. I went back to my old game. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like in the middle of nowhere, encumbered, without a horse, no town near me. Like, well, this uh, is why I stopped playing. Who's <laughs> Roda? Exactly. Super run for step, 10 seconds. Step, step, step. Who's <laughs> Roda? Step, step, step. What is it? Let me pull up the map. No, still no city. <laughs> Maybe I can't fast travel when I'm encumbered. And What's then, the point? And then the city, the city I got to was the um, one underneath the winter, the winter college or whatever. Oh yeah, the one that that worthless little one. Yeah, that is constantly attacked by dragons at one yeah. point. So every time, because you have, because they didn't have a whole a lot of money, so I'm there days, days, days. Let the money build back up. Sell, sell, sell. Oh man, let the money build. Dragon, dragon bones, can't move. Oh. Damn it, sometime I will grind away and get the dragon armor, but for now I'm just dropping a pile of dragon bones everywhere I go. I've been playing Tales of Zillia with my friend. Latest oh, in the Tales of how series. How is that? Um, like the other tales? Very long. I don't know why it surprises me every time, but wow, it's long. But very enjoyable still. It, some of the more simple combat mechanics that they've had lately, which was okay. We've been playing it for days, and it's, I'm still very much enjoying it, and I still have no idea when the end is coming. With my group that I play with online, we've been playing some Awesome Knots and League of Legends, which are both uh, teams of up to four, get together, pick some strange characters, and go slam into each other and try and destroy each other's bases. Both pretty fun games. Uh, the funnest that we've been doing well, as of late has been a game called Magicka, spelled with a K, where everyone plays a little wizard, and the whole game is built around combining elements to make spells. You have eight different elements you combine. You can combine up to eight at once. So you could do, say, like a rock plus death plus frost. And it shoots out a big boulder that explodes and freezes everything in the area. This just depends on how you combine things and what the different results that you get. We play it together. You can play up to four. And it's always friendly fire is always on, <laughs> which is very dangerous in that game where it's difficult enough to not hit yourself with stuff much less shoot a lightning bolt that hits three of your own buddies or something. So there's an awful lot of yelling at each other and, somebody please resurrect me, come on. <laughs> we played all the way through it. I, I would really like to recommend it, but it's a little buggy, which is kind of a bummer. But it's a lot of good tongue-in-cheek humor, and uh, the com combining elements business is a lot of fun. So I liked it a lot. And the last thing I did recently, my cousin Ben has been trying to do some online RPG gaming. We just do it over Skype talking to each other and there's a little uh, website that we go to that has a little rolling mechanic and you can draw on a map and a little chat function and he just picked up some random probably homebrew rpg that's incredibly simple system that he adapted to his own little world of techno mages sort of people learn how to cast spells by touching electronic equipment he said oh, you can be anything you want I said, oh can i be a gray alien yeah sure why not so I was a gray alien chain smoker who was hooked on social media. So while we're trying to sneak out of the city, I'm updating my Facebook page. <laughs> Checking in. <laughs> About to sneak into the building. Yeah. <laughs> I, I took a picture of me and the kid in the dumpster together, hiding. I would write my Twitters into the chat on, the, on a little site. 
and uh, Ben, the GM, would, would respond back with my followers, what they would respond with. It was, it was hilarious, and it was nice. just a lot of fun. It was a great reminder that you don't need a complicated rule set or anything like that. If you just have some people that just want to have fun and are pretty loose and just willing to do, play with whatever, it was a blast. I could name a few people that we all know that their heads would explode if you told them that was what our yep. meant. <laughs> Jordal's Kickstarter came in, so we've been playing uh, some Wild West Exodus, which is uh, the new minis game. Which has a couple of dislikes on YouTube. Yeah. Well, screw you if you don't want to sit through two hours of game video. But it's good, weird Western kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's, it's got really good resin on the big models and it's pretty to scale uh, on the regular humanoid stuff. I mean, your hands are not as big as your head kind of a thing. It's, it's good scale. It's good, uh, it's good models and it's pretty tight rule set. So that's enjoyable. At some point, I will probably get my own army. But I'm not buying anything new until I've finished painting everything that I currently own. <laughs> Got in some more gears and pistons. That was fun. I dominated with a Honda Civic, just a small little <laughs> smallest piece of car that I could get with as much flash on it as possible. Felt very fast and furious there. I won, had lots of points, had lots of lots of pistons, lots of feathers, lots of pistons, lots of comfort, and lots of engine. It was good. It was good. No dead, uh, no junk parts on my car that night. Got in a game of Warhammer, uh, the Triumph and Treachery multiplayer rule set. I was, uh, unsurprisingly fairly treacherous, but surprisingly, I didn't do it on purpose. I misread a card. So I talked a dude out of uh, attacking me and into attacking Jordal instead. Totally ill advised. I misread the card and he, in fact, ended up getting waxed pretty hard. But uh, it saved him from attacking me, so yay me for treachery. Getting in some attack wing, that's pretty good. Always enjoying that game. Playing Injustice, Gods Among Us, the DC Fighter, both on the console and on the tablet and phone. Uh, the tablet and phone are, well, microtransaction, but I, I've only put a bit of money in there just to see if it makes a difference. Ah, and it doesn't. Gotcha. No, no, it, it's, <laughs> it's just like I wanted to see, does it really make a, a significant difference to get the boost and it doesn't because the 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 opponents ramp up fast enough that well i mean that's their hook the opponents ramp up fast enough that they want you to be putting 10 bucks a yeah. a, a weekend well i'm sure they want more but you know they want you to be paying for the boosts you know on a weekly basis not just a one shot and i'm not going to go there uh and that led to my comment earlier today that at no point in any game or any universe should Cyborg be able to one-shot Lex yes, Luthor uh, for anything. There is some heavy imbalance in this game. Um, trying to make I stand it. by my statement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, on the console, it's just, it's, you know, it's combo fighter, you know, just yeah. like Mortal Kombat. Or, yeah, I've been playing a bit of it off and on as well. Yeah, so, okay, that's cool. And then on the phone, it's it's a tappy-tap. Uh, it's not comboing, but it is kind of building up the power, much like the console game, and then that leads you to your special moves. The special moves aren't quite as visually impressive as uh, as on the console, obviously, but it's it's just an enjoyable. And on the uh, on the tablet and the phone instead, it's uh, it's kind of a they call it a, a deck builder. Well, it's not a deck builder, but a, a card game because you start off with three heroes, and as you get achievements and as you gain money. You can buy booster packs uh, to get more heroes and more enhancements and stuff like that. So if you don't want to put any money in the game, it's, it'll be slower and it'll be more bottlenecks, but you can just work around it with some grind. And as with all things, of course, you have 
certain amount of energy. So once your heroes are down, you have to either pay to recharge or let them sit. So it's like 10 minutes at a time because by that point, you've either ground through part of your current quest tree or you've run out of energy. And again, me, I'm not putting money into this game. So I'm I'm not paying to re- re- replenish my energy. I just put it down and wait for the, the bing that says I, I have all my energy back and then I'll go back at it again. So 10, 15 minutes is at a time and that is acceptable. Oh, and uh, a couple weeks ago, we got in one of Nate's favorite games. Uh, I, he talks about it so much. I got to mention it. We got in some Red Dragon in. Sweet. Should have invited him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know those leads. They won't come down to Austin. <laughs> I don't have a ton of Actually, it's going to sound like more than it is because some things I've just done like a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there and moved on. One thing, and it's been a while for this, I've actually deleted this off my tablet, but we talked about it with some people on Facebook, and I put it on my list at that point for us to talk about on the podcast, but the uh, Dungeon Keeper tablet app, Mm -hmm. ridiculous, don't do it, it's not (laughs) worth it, it's basically Dungeon Keeper Farmville, Uh, it's, it's so ridiculous, what they could have done with it, and I would have been happy to pay for a decent tablet translation. Uh, instead, they made it free and want you to buy everything, of course, in-app purchases. And uh, and everything's on a timer. And if you don't want to wait for the timer, you spend more money or gems, which you don't find pretty much you to buy. buy. And, hey, you want some extra, you know, goblins or, you know, worker imps? Hey, we'll give you, you can, you can, with what we give you, you can have two workers. Want more than that? You got to buy. It wasn't worth it. EA totally screwed the pooch on that. Well, it's EA. I've been playing a bit of Spell Chain recently. Have you checked that one out? It sounds familiar. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's card driven. Um, it's you against an opponent and you're trying to get their health down before yours and you get, there's different stats and it's like your health, armor, and army, I think it is. And there might be one other thing in there. Oh, and mana. And the cards, and you start with like five mana, I think is the, the default. And you choose where you start with the cards, and then you can either go, you know, left, right, up, or down. You can't go diagonally to a next card. And, and they all have like mana costs and what they're going to do. So you're trying to chain the cards together with your mana. So some of them might give you more mana, but usually like something that says, I'll give you three more mana is going to be like, but, you're going to have to lose two health or, you know, something like that. So, uh, you go through and just pick a path through the cards with the mana you have. And those, the different things, they might give you more health. They might give you more shields. They might damage your opponent, you know, take their health away, might give you an army. And then once you're done with picking your path and spent all your mana, if you have any army, your army attacks whatever their army is. And like the difference goes to shields and then health. And you're basically trying to get them down to zero before you get down to zero. So a quick, cool, it's a cool little quick kind of game to play. You know, just kind of tap through some cards and, and, uh, do the, the battle or a couple battles or something like that. So it's not a bad little game. And then I've been playing a lot of Dungeon Ascendance off and on because I've got that on my phone and my tablet. So depending on where I'm at, been trying to unlock, uh, cause I unlocked a ton of stuff on my old phone. Now I, Trying to re-unlock a bunch of stuff on now that I got the other phone. And then, see, I pulled up my Steam account because I just remembered I got some new stuff there. I've been playing a lot of Banished. That's been the big, my big go-to and I don't want to do anything else because it's kind of like a 
somewhat peaceful, mind-numbing kind of thing. It's it's kind of well, it's it's farming Sims almost. It's a medieval Sims kind of deal. So it's it's or Sim City ish kind of. So you're building your you're like your village. Uh, so you pick how you're gonna do it, but it's like you get so much. You get you start with so much family and and food and equipment stuff, and then you've got to you know you got to get your crops and all, and then you got to. Do you have to feed your family? You have to basically. Is kind this of agricola? A little bit, <laughs> a little bit, but you know, good. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a, it's kind. Do you of, have anything nice to say? <laughs> I just did. It's good. <laughs> uh, but it's peaceful because it's not like. And here comes the raiders over the mountain <laughs> to take you on. It's you, you're very focused on just getting yourself up and running. So I mean, it, you, there is your people died of starvation, you know, or you know there can be disease or so, stuff like that. But it's very non-conflict and just putting your village together how you want to, and you know, get your woodcutter going so you got firewood for the winter and you know stuff like that. So it's it's kind of just been a with everything going on, it's been an easy kind of just blank my mind and forget stuff for a while. So that's been kind of my go-to game. Dead States, which is kind of like the zombie uh, zombie apocalypse Sims <laughs> kind of deal, sort of. <laughs> Wasteland 2 has been updating, but I tried to play it again the other day. But the la- I know it's in beta, but it's, like I said, with, you know, Banish has kind of been my clear my mind. And it updated the other day. It's like, oh, all right, I'll go check out what they put in Wasteland 2. And, of course, I got in there like, your saved game will not work with this version, so you have to start over. And I was like, I'm not doing that. So I got as far as, like, almost creating a character. <laughs> and then I was like, I don't want to do this right now. So I might wait for a couple more updates to get back to that. But then uh War of the Overworld, they've been updating that quite a bit, and they've got that to a point where you're actually against an AI opponent. You know, cause that's been in kind of beta and stuff for a while as well. And like when it first came on, it was just here, you can check it out, but that's basically like dungeon keepers successor. So it's gotten to the point where that now there's another overlord out there and he's talking trash to you while you're building up your, your dungeon and stuff. So that's, that's kind of cool. And I really like that where dungeon keeper on the tablet on Android sucks. This is really a nice replacement, uh, coming up for. The dungeon keeper. So yeah, all of them have been just a few minutes here, a few minutes there, other than banished, which has kind of been my sink into and just forget about stuff for a while. Alright. Well, that guys brings us to the end of another long winded episode. And uh our acrylic fir- tokens. Acrylic tokens. And just tokens. If you're gonna tell me I need a token, give me the token. <laughs> <laughs> we love you guys over at Arcane Wonders. This has been the first episode in the new Geek Compound. Very echoey. We gotta do something with this at some point. Yeah, you know, your acoustic padding doesn't do good on the floor. Well, I, that's where, that's where Don put it. <laughs> I had it stacked over there. It's better than in a stack. Did, that's true. Didn't do that's as well true. over there either, but that's why I say when everybody walked in, you just gotta grab one, hold it in front of you. So yeah, we're at the new Geek Compound. This has been and our a first. a fine Geek Compound it is. It is. Jordan's happy because he's not on top of everybody. We don't have like a, I'm not like leaning against a bed anymore. Spacious, nice, chilly. It's going to be nice in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that has been episode 40. Thanks for joining us once again. We will see you in a couple more weeks. Oh, and I do want to mention that we do, uh, I am 
now that things are calming down, part two of the Gothic Doctor Road to Relaunch is next in the editing queue besides this episode, depending on where things fall, which one will get edited first, but it's right up there. And uh, I do want to thank the Flux Capacity, not only for the contest, but them and uh, Floodgate Games uh, were kind enough to understand what was going on. We rescheduled their interviews, but they have been rescheduled, so I will be talking to both of them very soon. So you will get some uh, Game of Crowdfunding interview stuff out of that. And Sarah and I should be back next week uh, since we had to cut, cancel the last couple as well. Uh, but everything's looking to be back on track, and that is our hope. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us on our two-year anniversary episode. And I'm Jeff King. And I'm the Canadian. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a proud member of the GeekCast Network. If you enjoyed it and are looking for other podcasts with a geek culture slant, head over to geekcastnetwork.com, where you will find podcasts such as Two Bald Geeks, a podcast by two bald horror movie fans that dissect one horror movie a month, saving the spoilers for last. The Geek Cast Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at geekcastnetwork.com. Spain.